to take away from Caleb Williams' talent. Caleb Williams' talent is up here, okay? I got questions about Caleb Williams, the person, and I got questions about what the hell happened to him the second half of the season mm-hmm. that he fell off. And, and I said it to Kuiper yesterday, and he agreed with me. I said, until you find out why, and I must have said this a thousand times the last month and a half, until you get an acceptable answer for why, then you got a question making that selection. And I don't care everybody says he's a generational quarterback. He's not a generational quarterback until he proves he's a generational quarterback. It's Aldo Gandia, and last year, almost 12 months to the day, I said this upcoming draft is going to be the biggest in Bears history. And guess what? I'm saying it again this year because this one is really the biggest one in Bears history. It's unbelievable that, again, the Chicago Bears have the number one overall choice. And the controversy that's developing about what they're going to do with the first-round draft pick, it has got all of Chicago and Chicago social media in an uproar. Well, over the next several months, Danny Shimon are going to sift through, pat, get past all of those comments and look at tape and talk about the prospects and their talent and evaluate and talk to experts. We're going to do it the right way, and we're not going to argue about it. We're just going to put our intellectual caps on, ask the right questions, ask the tough questions, and hopefully by the time the draft rolls around, we'll be better informed about what the Chicago Bears could do. So that way, when we criticize them, which we will inevitably do, we'll have some facts to back it up. All right, let me bring in the star of the show. His name is Danny Shimon. Danny, how are you, my friend? I am excited. I am pumped. Uh, it's, it's a new season of Draft on Tap. Uh, you know, you and I are going to be going through this journey together here, all of them, and I'm so excited to have you here along with me. Uh, it is, it is, like I said, a, a very, very, very pivotal, important draft for the for the Bears. A pivotal off season for the Bears. This is, you know, if, if Ryan Poles and company hits this, you know, correctly, does this correctly, this could set the team up for years to come. And on the flip side, if if they mess it up, if they wet the bed, this could set the franchise back, you know, five, six, seven years. So it's a huge draft. Uh, we're gonna break down, you know, prospects, you know, in, in terms of how I see 
players fitting in, in the Bears scheme, uh, Bears culture, uh, you know, Bears needs, so on and so forth. So we're going to hit position groups from the quarterbacks, running backs, every single position group. We're going to talk about it. Obviously, you know, you are the king of the special teams. You'll you'll even break down punters for us if we need a punter or two. But uh, you know, I, I'm just happy to be on this journey with you and, and excited to get to get started. And and I I do digress. We are going to argue. At least you and I are going to argue about some players here and there. I, I'm pretty sure we are. Yeah, but we'll do it civilly, not like some of the yeah. stuff I'm seeing on social media now, which is really oh, social media is toxic, right? It's it is toxic. Oh my goodness! And uh, it's impossible, of course, for Danny to scout all 400 players or what, however many prospects there are this year. But what we're going to do is you tell Danny in the chat room, and I'll save the name. Tell him who you would like him to scout, and then he'll do the work in a week or two and report back to us on this show. And, and or also, we'll bring in guests who can talk about the player that you've brought up. So I can't think of a better way than to introduce our guest today, J.P. Acosta from the Sports Nation. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me back on again. Like you guys said, this feels like a big moment in the Bears' For the Bears' future, you know, this could set them up for sustained success or, you know, you're going back to the eight ball. You're going back around. The, it feels like you're going to hit the go back to jail. Do not do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. It feels like you might hit that one. Yeah, indeed. Yep. And, you know, um, there's one of the reasons I love having you on is now you are out of Atlanta, right? I'm out of Orlando, Florida. Orlando. I'm, I apologize. But you went to Northwestern University. So you've got a taste of Chicago Bears culture, the fanaticism with, with the Bears and so forth. You know a lot about the Bears, but you covered the NFL and other sports for Sports Nation. Tell, before we get started, and Danny and you are going to talk about the Senior Bowl, tell people where they can find your work and how they can follow you on social media. Of course. So I am technically the lead NFL draft writer for SB Nation. But I'm really just a football writer. Anywhere where there's football being played, whether it's at college, NFL, NFL draft, you'll probably find me tweeting about it or on threads talking about it. Of course, like it says up there, JP Acosta32 on threads, Acosta32 underscore JP on Twitter. Basically where I'm going to be putting all the clips that I see of players I think are interesting, some of the ups, some of the downs, and just my general thoughts on the NFL, NFL draft, Maybe some anime or Disney stuff in there, too. But make sure you follow, see what I'm doing. You got it, man. All right, Danny, why don't you take it away, brother? Well, JP, again, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you know some some of your time here. And uh, obviously, next week is is a, is a big week for a lot of these you know underclassmen now this year. You know, can, are invited to the Senior Bowl along with the, with the obviously the, the seniors. So practices start next week, and obviously the, the third is February third is the uh, the actual game and. Um, you know, you're going to be attending there and, 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 you know, Jim Nagy and, and his, his scouts do a great job of putting together a great roster. And, and I do just want to kind of run through, you know, some of the names, some of the players uh, that I'm, I'm looking at. And then and obviously that you're looking forward to seeing there in person. And, uh, you know, we always start off with obviously, you know, the, the, the main group, right? Quarterback, or those, those are the guys that get all the girls, get all the money, the big money, you know, and everything else, you know, the criticism, you, you name it, right? Like we just talked about here, our our Chicago Twitter is 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 crazy between people who want Caleb, people who want Justin. I'm in a Justin I'm in a Justin Fields uh, camp, just FYI. But uh, but you know we can discuss that later on. But uh, you know going down to the Senior Bowl this year, 
Uh, the quarterback crop isn't really great, just kind of looking at it. I mean, there's some intrigued guys in, on day two, day three. I think I think that the two biggest names, at least for me, and I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what you think of, are you know are uh, you know, Michael Penix from from uh, Washington State, obviously. You know, I'm sorry, Washington, and and Bo Nix. And, and I think uh, some people have forgotten about Bo Nix. You know, he obviously started off at Auburn. He was he was uh, one of those prize recruits, came in, looked the part, but just never played the role, right? And and I think you know his last couple of years in Oregon. I think he really kind of put everything together. Um, you know, from what I'm talking to people that I know, you know, the biggest question with Bonix is that offense, right? Does that offense and his simple reads, is that going to translate, you know, to the next level? And I guess, you know, in terms of, let's start off with Nick's first. You know, what are you looking for for Nick to go down there in, in Mobile and kind of establish, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, what, what are you going to look for in, in terms of, you know, is it, is it going to be accuracy placement? Is this going to be running running an NFL-type offense under center? What are you going to be looking for from, from Bonix? From Bo Nix, I really want to see his process in an NFL offense. I think that is the biggest thing that I'm worried about when it comes to Bo Nix. Like you said, the offense felt very watered down, very, you know, get the ball out to the playmakers, which is fine. Like that is something that he has shown he's very good at. He's a very, he's got a quick trigger. He can get the ball accurate out into the short areas of the field. And then when everything is clean, when he only has to read one half of the field, he can get the ball to the intermediate levels. I'm just worried about, the full field read that you're going to have to make as an NFL quarterback. So I'm excited to see how he looks in processing a full field and seeing what defense is going to show him pre-snap, post-snap, how he adjusts to that, how he adjusts to stimuli that he's not going to see at the college football level. I mean, I think the biggest, one of the biggest benefactors of Brock Purdy being as successful as he is in San Francisco is Bo Nix. I feel like you can say, Hey, look at that guy. He not he might not be the most athletic, not have the, not have the most high level tools, but if you surround him with an offense full of playmakers and a good play caller who can maximize his strengths while hiding his weaknesses, that feels like something Bo Nix can do. So I want to be able to see him go through NFL reads, NFL progressions against other NFL caliber players. Right, and I agree, and I, I think I think you know the stage at the SEC might have been too big for him, and it might have been him and Gus Malzahn just didn't see eye to eye there when he was at Auburn, and for whatever reason he looked the part. Like I said, he's got the size, arm strength looks looks decent up, you know, above average arm strength, and he's got the athletic ability to be able to be a a, a quote unquote dual threat quarterback, but just it just never worked out for him, and I I just I just think he looked more comfortable up up in Eugene, Oregon, and playing on the rest system, and again the, the next progression, all right, and I and I, I, someone from the chat said that. He, uh, Bonix looks like a backup quarterback, and that could be true, but he's got tons of experience, tons of start under, under his belt, and there's scuttlebutt. He could go late first, early second round. So, and now if you see some of these mock drafts coming out, you see Bo Nix's name, you know, you know, sprinkled in there. Don't be surprised. So, scouts like Bo Nix, and I think you're right. I think that the the Brock Purdy effect, the 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 experience, all these starts under his belt. He's seen a lot of a lot of you know competition, you know, big time experience, some big time games. I think that's going to propel him uh, in some of these scouts eyes and maybe some of these GMs eyes. So we'll see what happens there. But the other guy obviously is, is, is Penix Jr. I and mean, I'm, I'm, you know, he's a guy that, you know, uh, you know, I've started off here in Indiana in the Midwest, you know, had, had the, the bad, you know, the ACL injury and then, and then the, the separated shoulder and up going to Washington and just really, again, turn his career around back to back 4,000 yard seasons, 30 plus touchdowns the last two seasons, um, you know, his ability and, and from, from what just kind of scouting him is his accuracy with that ball and that placement is, is phenomenal. But again, injuries, 60 year senior, 
you know, the H thing creeps in there. You know, his lower body is really stiff, and that, that could be some of the injuries. It could just be some of the, you know, his throws are a lot of them are just arm talent, right? And we saw what happens in the national championship game. You get pressure on him, you get him a little rattled. He can't really move around. And I think that, and then you get you get to get to Michael Penix Jr. So I think, you know, where do you see him? Because I mean, a lot after that that first semifinal game, everybody's talking about him in the first round. And then after that national championship game, now everyone's like talking about, oh, well, maybe he might be a second, third round pick. I still see him in that second round range. Do you think he can boost himself down to Mobile this week, possibly get into the bottom half of that first round? So I think he can he can boost himself with a good week in Mobile. But I ultimately think the biggest questions about Michael Penix are going to be answered with medicals. And once you're playing against people that actually are going to hit you in a lot in live speed, I think. The medicals are going to be the biggest problem here. Like you said, litany of injuries. The You see it on the field. You see the talent. You see the arm strength. It is an effortless flick of the wrist with Michael Penix. You can see the ball just fly off the arm. I think the ball placement kind of comes and goes. I think there were some games where it was kind of spotty. But when he's on, he's hitting everything like he did against Texas. When he was on, he was hitting every single throw. The thing I worry about the most is that creation aspect. One of the things that stood out amongst the quarterbacks that were in the playoffs this year is the ability to create under pressure. And it's not just getting out the pocket and doing the crazy, like Pratchett Mahomes stuff. You know, it's not doing that. It's creating within the pocket, creating your own lanes to get the ball off. CJ Stroud, phenomenal at it. Jordan Love was really good at it, throwing off his back foot. I want to see Michael Penix develop in that area, you know, with the injuries, you know, you kind of see him as kind of like a feet set pocket passer. He showed a little bit of it against Texas, but against Michigan, he looked pretty rattled when he had to create under pressure. So that's really the biggest thing that I would like to see from him. But in terms of what we're, what we're going to see in Mobile, I think he can improve his stock, improve his placement by just showing that the ball placement downfield is as consistent as it showed on tape. I think right now, for me, just based on talent alone, he is a third round pick, second, third round. But with the litanies of injuries, man, it's going to be really tough to sell an NFL franchise on that. Yeah, in terms of first round money, yeah, that, that that's something that he's going to be battling as well. Correct, you know. So obviously, those are the Sam Hartman is a guy that intrigues me as as a mid to late round guy. Could be you know stick around for a couple of years and you know be a good backup. Again, talking about a guy that's that's in that Brock Purdy kind of range there as well. Multiple, you know, starts, a lot of starts on his career. So he could be a guy that could be, take, you know, some team might take a flyer on in, in day three. But, you know, let's move on to, to quarterbacks that are not in Mobile this week. And and obviously the talk here with the Bears having the first round pick, we touched on it earlier, is, is the whole Caleb versus Justin Fields thing. Uh, but, you know, kind of breaking down the breaking down these these quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, you know, Jane Daniels, and, and then also Drake May. You know, like the consensus out there is that it's going to be Caleb or Drake, one and two, however way you pick it, and then Jaden Daniels. Well, breaking down this tape, JP, and, and this is something that might, might shock you, might shock some of the you know listeners here. I think it. I think Jaden Daniels is going to go ahead of Drake May, and I think Jaden Daniels, depending on way, how Caleb Williams goes through the draft process, and if he answers a lot of those those questions that scouts had that they told me. Beginning this college football season, he had he had some answers to 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 attest to in terms of off the field stuff, not on the field talent. I think Jaden Daniels will go maybe the second quarterback taken, and as an outside shot, he could be the first quarterback taken. What are your thoughts on that? I think people will fall in love with 
the athleticism of Jaden Daniels and just the boom plays. You know, that is something Jaden Daniels is really good at. He is a special athlete at the position. He is a immediate plus in the run game. He can turn a five-yard carry into a 15, 20-yard carry. He's got his accuracy downfield has improved so much this year that it's like he was a completely different quarterback. The downfield placement was exceptional in the SEC. I still have him at QB three behind. Actually, I have May first, then Caleb Williams second. Really? But okay. I think Jaden Daniels is he's immediately the next third guy, the third guy up. I just wonder with Jaden Daniels, first of all, every hit that he takes at the college level, he got kind of wily coyotied which like he got hit with the Acme Anvil and every hit seemed like it looked like it was going to divide him in half. So you worry about his ability to not take as many hits. You know, I think the comparisons to Lamar Jackson, like, sure, you can go that way if you want to. But one of Lamar's special abilities is not being able to get hit. He knew Mm -hmm. when to not take major hits. Jaden Daniels is taking major hits a lot. And that's something that's a little concerning. And I also like to see some of the short area accuracy improve. So those are kind of things where like, okay, you can get them into an NFL room and kind of iron those out. And then as you play, you kind of learn, okay, I don't want to take that hit. Maybe I'll just slide this time. But I think he is my quarterback three, but he's going to go third, fourth overall. All right. So just on the curious, you have, you have Drake man as your top quarterback. Uh, explain, explain why you have him as number one. So ultimately, I feel like this is going to be a very important process because of what we what the NFL wants out of young quarterbacks. I think with Caleb Williams, you get the exceptional boom plays, the outside, the creativity. I think for me, I like Drake May's process a little bit more than Caleb Williams' process. I think Caleb Williams will miss a couple of reads. He will miss the easy backside dig or he'll miss the slant coming open and then he'll bail out the pocket bail out of a clean pocket he did that a lot he'll he'll bail out of clean pockets and then have to can the ball plays dead he kind of reminds me a little bit of a bigger version of kyler murray and what made kyler so great was kyler was an exceptional athlete kayla williams is also a very good athlete i think that's Mm -hmm. something that's going to help him I think the process is something that I would like to see ironed out a little bit where I think Drake May has the advantage. I think the gap between Williams and May in terms of the creation aspect of their game, I think that is a smaller gap than the one that is May's process within the pocket and creativity within the pocket than Caleb Williams within the pocket. Yeah, and and in terms of uh, I have I have him killed one uh, Jane Daniels two and, and and Drake May three and the reason why and then again Drake May is a is a prototypical NFL quarterback right the size six three six four you know good arm strength but for and, and you're right he does you know does a good job in terms of staying in the pocket going through his progression uh, I like the way he shuffles his feet keeps plays alive he's not the you know he is you know sneaky athletic he's not the the dual threat per se like a Jaden Daniels or a Caleb Williams is. Um, you know, the reason why I have Caleb one, and, and for me, I, again, it's I'm a Justin Fields guy, and I, I wish the Bears would, would just keep Justin Fields and build around him. But with Caleb, man, it, it's it's like you put that tape on, and every game there's like, how do you do that? How do you complete that throw? And and, and the, the arm talent that he has and the ability to, to, to you know, 
throw, make, you know, accurate throws 30, 40, 50 yards down the field, you know, off platform, you know, and, 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 you know, behind, you know, in, in terms of you know, just, just creating in a, in a backfield and not necessarily creating to run, but creating to, and then looking downfield and, and making those, those, you know, off platform throws, off target throws and so on and so forth. I think that's what's so enticing with him. Now, again, for me, with Caleb, the big question is off the field, right? You know, is is he the guy that's going to be, you know, a we guy? Is he a team guy? Is he, is he a me guy? And those are the questions that he's going to have to answer throughout the process. But I just think, and I think I don't think with with Drake, maybe I think his his delivery to me is a tad bit slow. I think I, I mean, and you can coach it up, and you can work on his footwork, and you maybe speed it up. But I, but I I think you go out there with 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 Caleb, and, and you have a chance to win. A more, uh, more, I guess immediately, if you will, depending on who's around him, right? Then, then a Drake. I mean, I think and I guess Drake will be a, a fine, solid quarterback. But I think Caleb has a chance to be special. But again, the off the field stuff is what concerns me about about Caleb Williams. Yeah, and I think the boom, like I said, the boom plays for Caleb Williams are. That's what you want out of the NFL quarterback. I just, for me, I'd like to see a little bit of the process ironed out. I think. For all these guys, I think they could stand like, hey, we need a good quarterback coach, someone to come in, kind of be like, hey, let's let's not bail on this pocket. You can see this right here. This is open. You can take this if you want. I think it's going to take a little bit more with Caleb Williams because he's so good at creation. It is both his greatest trait and it's also his biggest drawback where he will bail on a clean pocket and it will work at the college level because he's a much better athlete than everybody else on the field. But when you get him into an NFL game with guys who are just as fast, just as smart, you know, those windows close really quickly. So I think this is going to be a really big, like in terms of the one, two with May and Caleb Williams and where the NFL is going quarterback wise in terms Mm -hmm. of what you want out of a quarterback. I think we've kind of, gone away a little bit from the everybody needs to be like Patrick Mahomes outside of the pocket because there aren't a lot of guys like that to where we need the creation within the pocket. We need you to hang in there. We need you to be able to move around and create off platform, but within that, within those confined areas. Right. Right. That's what Justin's battling here in Chicago. You know, that they're, they're taking, and he's a guy that also, you know, that's the, th- that's the thing I, I point out to Aldo when I was watching Caleb Williams. I'm like, listen, there's wide receivers open coming across the field. And he's, he's looking at him, but he's not pulling the trigger. That's the same mm-hmm. question we had here with Justin is why isn't he pulling the trigger? Now, a lot of times, and, and, and I don't know, obviously, what's, what's going on in, in, their, in their, you know, the thought process here when, the, when the, obviously, you know, the, the game is going on. But the, these, these quarterbacks that are athletic, these quarterbacks that, that can buy time, they're always looking for that big play. They're always looking at, well, if I can hold on to the ball just a little bit longer because I can – Juke this guy. I can I can evade this guy, and I don't want this ten yard slam. I can I can get that guy running that that post route. Just give him some more time to get open. I think that's something that that's creeped into Caleb Williams or, or Justin Fields, and I think that's where you're talking about. You got to coach them out of it and just you know be a be a you know f- fit into that system. And and a lot of times I think a lot of these quarterbacks don't fit into that system. And I think some of them like, like with Justin. I think it takes a little bit more time, some better coaching, which is what I've been harping all season. I think that's that's where we go. I think I think I see similarities there between Justin and, and Caleb Williams in terms of the thought process and, and a little bit a little bit you know delay in terms of pulling the trigger. So it sounds like you and I both agree there on, on on that aspect there. Yeah, I think with Caleb, I also think it's important to point out that the USC offense in 2023 was horrific. It yeah, was that yeah, was bad. It, it felt like Lincoln Riley and Cliff Kingsbury decided, oh, we have the potential number one pick at quarterback. 
We're not going to do anything to help him. We'll just roll the ball out and say, hey, Caleb, go do something cool, which is fine, like at the college level. And you won eight games, seven games doing it. But it's really hard to get the to parse that was this the offense or was this Williams kind of just bailing on the clean pocket? You know, I think same thing with Drake May to an extent. You know, both these guys came in as really high, really heralded recruits. And at the end of the end of the day, they left the uh, they left the college football landscape without either of them having gone to a play to a playoff game. Right. So right. I think with May, one of my biggest drawbacks for May is he he'll force the ball. He believes so much in his arm talent and his ability to create throws that he will force a pass. And that's something like I'd much rather for a quarterback to be aggressive and you coach that out of them than coach a quarterback to be aggressive. You know, you'd rather coach him to take the layup instead of, Hey, you're open at the three point line, go ahead and shoot it instead of trying to dribble out and make a pass and turn the ball over. You know, Mm -hmm. I'd much rather be able to coach, coach you down instead of coach up to taking that aggression. But I think it's really close for me. I think it's may Williams and Daniels, but, the gap between one and two is razor thin. It's very much one A, one B. Well, we, we can sort of talk about this all night long. I'm pretty sure about it because it's <laughs> a big debate. And uh, But we're, we're going to move on. So next position group I want to talk about, it, Dante and Mobile are obviously in a group that I think the Bears really need to to concentrate on because I think they need to you know bring in an influx of of young talent here. It's a receiver group. Right. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a ton of names there that I like. G- give me a couple of guys that you're you're looking forward to going out and seeing and, and, and guys that you think can you know, make that leap. You know, surprised, you know, like Tank Dell last year went down there and, and lit up, lit up the place. You know, uh, Rasheed Rice came out of there and, and went to the Chiefs and, you know, he's playing for a chance to go to Super Bowl you know, this weekend. So, you know, give me a couple of guys that you think can go on, come down there and, and make a name for themselves this week or next week, I should say, in Mobile and be the, the next Tank Dell, Rasheed Rice, so on and so forth. So if you're looking for a guy who's going to be the next Tank Dell, Jacob Cowing from Arizona is one of my guys. He's not that big. He's not that heavy. He's maybe like 170 pounds soaking wet. But the dude is a professional get opener. It doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter where you put him. He is going to get open. He is electric when he has the ball in his hands. He can create separation. He is a downfield target. He is He's more than likely a slot only. You know, he's kind of like Tank Dell in that way. But if Chicago is looking for another slot option to potentially replace Darnell Mooney, I think Jacob Cowling is a really great option. One of my guys is Xavier Leggett from South Carolina. Big, mm-hmm. strong, physical receiver, but he doesn't he looks move. And he looks the part. He is a first off the bus receiver. Yep. That's the guy you want leading the team out for pregame to intimidate the other team. But he doesn't move like a big physical receiver does. Right. I think the downfield speed probably isn't like he's yeah. not going to burn past people. I say separation. Like, he doesn't. He doesn't get open that much. Yeah, he's more of like a mid four fives, maybe like low four six, maybe. But the dude creates separation in the intermediate areas of the field. He is a he's an X, but can also be used as a power slot in the slot a lot. They use they use him like that in South Carolina. He can take screens, and he's a running back after the catch. He's so physical in the in-between game. I actually kind of think he's a little similar body-wise and play style-wise to Michael Pittman with the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. I think both those guys are bigger physical guys, but they don't move in the way that bigger physical guys do. They are right. more in-between. 
You know, mm-hmm. they kind of they kind of operate in the mid-range game. They'll be the ones to take slants and they'll be ones to hit digs over the middle. Dude's also extremely tough. There are moments when he's getting folded, he's getting hit below, he's getting hit in the knees, yep. he's getting absolutely tattooed across the middle. He just kept getting back up. He is one of my guys. And then the last one is a guy that, of course, I've seen a lot of having lived in Florida. Ricky Pearsall is somebody that I actually wasn't that high on coming into the season, but this season he really stood out to me. He is another one of those. I think he is a kind of inside out guy. You start him out in the slot, but he is a smooth route runner. He is, he's probably going to have a lot of highlight tapes in the one-on-ones when you're creating space to get open. He is a professional get opener. He's got amazing hands. Of course, he had the catch of the year in college football, I believe against South Florida, where he reaches across his body and catches it with one hand, with one hand. He has exceptional hands, great body control. He's probably going to be more around that mid to late round guy, but he's going to immediately come in. If you're potentially looking for a guy like maybe an impact like Puka Nakua later, like this year, like a later round guy that could have an instant impact on your team, Ricky Pearsall is definitely a guy I'd want to watch out for. It's funny because you mentioned Jacob Cowing because later on the show, I I have my 10 guys that I'm watching and specifically looking at at the Bears and Cowing is one, that guy that jumped out at me and, and let me know if you agree with this, but my comp for him is, 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 is a flowers. I mean, that, that's, that's mm-hmm. the kind of guy, young, you know, diminutive five, nine, like you said, 175, 170 pounds, that range quick as heck, uh, you know, can, can take out, you know, take a jet sweep and, and run it, you know, 30, 40 yards tough over the middle. Uh, the guy that can, you know, battles against, you know, bigger corners that doesn't, is not intimidated. So I think that's, that's my comp. That's one guy I'm looking at as well. So, yeah. And then a couple of guys that, that you didn't mention that I'm, I'm looking at is one of his, is Brendan Rice. Uh, obviously uh, talk about Caleb Williams, Brendan Rice is his top target. Um, obviously his, his, his dad, the hall of famer, Jerry Rice. I think, I think Brendan is, is a guy, you mentioned Puka Nakua. Now he doesn't have the the quickness over, I think like a Puka Nakua, but he's got some of that deep speed that we talked about earlier ability to, you know, he's a bigger guy, six, one, six, two, almost, you know, 200 pounds, but he's got about, I'd say what, four, you know, high four, fours, low four, five speed. They can, they can be a, a deep threat and it could be a nice, you know, cause I'm looking for an X for the bears, right? So they just hired Shane Waldron as their offensive coordinator. And, and the bears have that Z and, 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 um, um, and uh, DJ Moore, uh, but I think we're looking for that X. And obviously, he came, Aldrin came from Seattle, where they had the big X, you know, and, and Metcalf. So I'm looking for a big guy. And I think, I think uh, Brendan uh, Rice can, can fill that role. What do you think about Brendan? So I actually think Brendan Rice is a really intriguing prospect. He he looks kind of stiff on tape sometimes, where it's like I don't know if he's going to run very fast or if he's going to move that well, but he's so physical and so strong at the catch point, or sometimes it just doesn't matter. Like he doesn't create that much separation, but he's so good at the catch point that it doesn't really matter. I think he's he's probably best suited to be a number three where you can kind of operate him in the red zone. I think he shows flashes of good route running ability. I kind of think he's a little similar to Van Jefferson in a way. He, Van Jefferson was really good with the Rams as like a number three you know, next to Cooper Cup and next to Robert Woods and then Odell Beckham Jr. But I think Brendan Rice is someone who's going to be really useful for an NFL team. I think he kind of goes under the radar, even though he is the son of Jerry Rice. But I think you can get him onto an NFL team and you can kind of, you can coach him up to be an outside guy with a true, like, number one receiver on the inside of him or next to him. 
Gotcha. So the other group that obviously I'm looking at here for, for the Bears and, and um, is the offensive line, right? Uh, I love big guys, man. I love offensive linemen. I love defensive linemen. So offensive line guys, I have my I have my couple couple guys that I'm keeping an eye on. Um, you know, you know, I'm interested in see who you're going to be looking at those one on ones because those those are the best parts in, in the senior bowl practices when those big guys go one on one defensive line versus offensive line. That's the best part of practices for me when I watch those guys go at it. So who are you looking forward to down there in Mobile in terms of the offensive line group? So one of the first guys, they're both, well, they're both two guys who I think they're a little, they're a little younger, you know, but they're entering the draft. They have real nice athletic tools. First one's Kingsley Suamataya from BYU, transferred from Oregon to BYU. That is a massive dude, massive human being. And he look he looks the part. He can move, you know, he's a big guy. He can move his feet a little bit. I think he can iron out some technique issues in pass protection where he'll lean a little bit. Or he'll like he'll shoot his hands too early. The timing is a little off sometimes, but you want a moldable ball of clay like Kingsley Suamataya on your team. He played right tackle predominantly at uh, BYU, so it, it'll be a weird fit, especially with Darnell Wright locking down the right side of the offensive line for Chicago. But I love Kingsley Suamataya's athletic tools, just like I also like Oklahoma's Tyler Guyton. Tyler Guyton has a really good chance to go into Mobile as kind of a late first, early second guy and leave as a solid first round pick. He has those athletic tools. Also another right tackle could possibly move inside the guard if you want to kick him inside. Again, another extremely athletic prospect, easy mover, got great feet. And again, there's a little bit of technique issues with his hand placement, the leverage, but you want those guys with athletic tools there for you. You want the you want to bring in those guys because you never know what they can turn into. You want to you want to get them into your system and try and turn them into a player that you would think you would like based on the athletic tools they have. Those are a couple guys I'm really looking forward to seeing. Yeah, it's funny because Kingsley is on my list. So let me talk about later on. Another guy I'm interested as well, but uh, he's actually played left and right tackle. He started uh, two seasons. Uh, one, I think it was last year, left tackle this year, right tackle. So he's got the versatility again, the bears, you know, seemingly have their uh, left and right tackle right now, but he's a guy that intrigues me in terms of size, athletic ability. Like you said, a clay, you can kind of mold him into, into a, a starting caliber player. The other guy I, I like, and and he's, he's Jacob's uh, Jacob Cowing's uh, teammate is, is uh, Jordan Morgan from Arizona. Big guy, six, five, you know, 300 plus pounds, Really light on his feet, real athletic. Now he's a pure left tackle. Uh, obviously had the ACL tear last year, came back this year, started you know 12 games for Arizona. He's a guy that really does intrigue me as well as a potential guy that can go late first round and could be a, a day one starter. What's your thoughts on Jordan Morgan? So Jordan Morgan is, like you said, he is a great mover. Even with the ACL tear, great mover. You can want to get him out in space. There are a lot of times Arizona threw a lot of screens to Cowling and Jordan Morgan's out there in front of him looking like a semi-truck on the freeway. You don't want to get in front of them. I think there are a little bit of issues, like you said, with the with the bend at the hips. You know, there's there's a little issue there. I think that's also another guy who could potentially move to guard. I think there are a lot of guys like that in this upcoming tackle class where outside of maybe the top five or six, you're seeing like, hey, we could probably move you inside the guard or, hey, maybe we move you to right tackle somewhere where you might have a better chance of winning consistently, but Jordan Morgan can start at tackle and you can move him to guard if you want to. I think another guy like that is Troy Fatanu from Washington. Obviously, with Washington making the national championship, a lot of attention was on Fatanu. That is a people mover. 
in the run game. He is not, he is willing to get down and dirty in the run game, will cave guys in on the left side of the ball. He's also fairly clean as a pass protector. I worry a little bit about the arm length, which is why, you know, you want to kick him inside the guard, but you want a guy with that kind of versatility where, hey, maybe if his, even if his arms are too short, try and try and tackle first and see what works. If it doesn't work, you can move him inside a guard. You either way, you will have a starting caliber tackle. One more guy, real quick. Although I'm sorry, to interrupt, but another guy. Speaking of tackle, moving in, inside and keep an eye on this guy down there. JP is is the kid from Duke, uh, Graham Barton. Barton. He's yeah. got some, got some nastiness, and and if I see an offensive lineman with nastiness in him, he's he shoots up on my boards, and and I, I he's got my attention. So keep an eye on on Graham Barton from from Duke. Yeah, he is another guy where you could even play him at center. I believe Dane Brugger yeah. from the Athletic had him listed as a center. I think you can play him there. He is an instant run game improver because you just you want guys with that edge. You know, you want right run blocking as much as it is technical about leverage and getting the right angles in the run game. You want to finish the block, and Graham Barton's going to finish a run block. Love it, um, J- JP. We've kept you longer than we told you, so can you st- stay another ten minutes with us? Absolutely. Thank you. Really appreciate it. I want to turn our attention now to the defensive side of players who are playing at the Senior Bowl from the defensive line position. uh, The Bears are in need of a complimentary defensive end to work with Montez Sweat. Which of these guys do you think is a big body defensive end who's good at stopping the run and providing some pass rush? So the first guy that comes to mind when you talk about big body stopping the run, providing pass rush is Adiza Isaac from Penn State. Penn State just seemingly creates these super juiced up freak athlete pass rushers just out of a factory. You know, they have Chop Robinson, who's a junior, going to be entering the draft this year. He is a first round lock. He's more of a pass rusher than Adiza Isaac. But Isaac is he is another one of those first off the bus guys. I think he plays with a high motor. I worry a little bit about the bend consistently, but he's got power in his hands. Another guy with powerful, powerful hands is Chris Braswell from Alabama. I love Chris Braswell's game. He's one. He's another one of my guys. He plays with a high motor. He's got long arms. He wins with leverage. He has a nasty long arm. I think he can be more consistent with his bend. He looks kind of stiff sometimes, but if you're looking for complimentary pass rushers on the edge, I would start with those two. And obviously he's not, he kind of freelances against the run a little bit to me, but the premier pass rusher in the senior bowl in Mobile this year is going to be Leia Tulatu from UCLA. He, like I said, I he freelances I a little kid. bit, but you talk about certified pass rusher. That's a guy who's going to get after the quarterback. He has so many moves and counters at his arsenal I said it on Twitter. I said it on threads a few uh, few weeks back. And this is only a play style, body style comparison. I am not talking about what this player is going to end up being. That is what I talk about with comparisons. He's very TJ Wattish in terms of how he plays. With He wants to get around that corner first. And once he sets you up with that outside rip move, he's going to start throwing the inside counters at you. He's got a sick swim move despite having kind of shorter arms but he understands the nuances of being a pass. He's a technician with his yeah. hands. He, I mean, he is. He, I haven't seen a technician like that since Joey Bosa, to be honest with you, come out with, with the ability to, to be able to use his hands to, to be able to separate from offensive linemen. I, I think it's still early in the process, but I think he is going to be my highest rated player in Mobile on my mm-hmm. board. I, I think the, the biggest question with him, with Latu, 
and we'll, and Aldo, we'll get into them later on. He's one of my lists as well. Is this medical? Obviously, two, you know, two, two years ago, he had to re medically retire from the University of Washington because of a neck injury. Took a year off. You know, five doctors wouldn't allow him to play. You know, there was thought of, you know, if he, God forbid, could paralyze himself. And then he comes back, takes a year off, comes back, goes to UCLA, has that big neck brace behind his behind his neck, like a pad last year, played well. And then this year I was gone. And, and he's been a monster the last two years. If, if his medicals come through, he's a he's a top 10 pick all day for me. Um, I got to ask you, JP, about Braden Fisk, because J2K uh, in the chat is in absolute love with him. Says he can even play fullback in the uh, uh, in the NFL. What have you seen when you've looked at uh, Fisk? I think it's pronounced Fisk, F-I-S-K. -E. Yeah, what, what have uh, you seen on his tape? He is a ball of energy at defensive tackle. He is a... <laughs> he's a honey badger with a chainsaw. You do not want to play with that man. He is, he has such a high motor. He is always moving. He's always constantly putting stuff together. I think he shows flashes of pass rush moves. Like he shows flashes of hand usage, but I think at, at least you are getting a very, very high motor pass rusher that you can put on the inside and sub packages. I think he's got a real, he's got, a low center of gravity. So you can't really move him that much in the run game, but that's a guy where you, he is a certified pocket denter on loops games. You want to run up front. You want that guy crashing into a tackle without him noticing because he's going to bowl that tackle over. He is a consistently just, he's always moving. I think that's the biggest thing that I can say about Braden Fisk. And it's impressive for a defensive tackle, a 300-pound defensive tackle, to be constantly moving. He's constantly in motion, never stopping until he gets to the ball. I know you're still looking at defensive backs, so we'll skip that for a future show. But from the linebacker group, when you head down to Mobile, who's, who's going to catch your eye do you suspect is going to catch your eye? So this is another guy where I think medicals are going to be huge for him, but Peyton Wilson from NC State, yeah. like you cannot go against the production. Like the he was everywhere for NC State. And the what what I loved about NC State's defense this year with Wilson is they played him everywhere. They played him on the edge, they played him as a stack backer, they played him out over sec over slot receivers. He was constantly around the ball. I think he has good instincts in terms of finding the ball, in terms of getting off of blocks and which is really impressive considering he's like 6'4, 6'4, 230 to 35, 240 pounds with really long arms. It's really difficult for those guys with longer arms to get off of blocks at the second level because there's you're so confined in those tight spaces where it helps to have a little shorter arms because you can just punch and then get off. But he uses his arms, he uses his arm length really well. He's a guy that you can move around, be a little versatile with on pass rushing downs. Above everything else, you were getting somebody who's going to constantly find himself around the ball. That is something I think is the coolest thing about him. He's always going to be around the ball. One of the other linebackers that I'm really interested in looking at is Nelson Caesar from uh, Houston. He's another one of my guys. Um, he's not an off-ball linebacker. He is a edge. He is a pass rusher. But he brings something that a lot of guys don't really bring in this draft class, which is speed off the ball. He is a burst and speed guy off the edge. He is going to constantly bring that aspect of the game. And it's important because 
you look at this draft class, you can even go to last year's draft class too. You got a lot of pocket denters. You got a lot of guys who are going to win with long arms and bull rushes, and that's great. But if you're needing a guy who won, who, who wins with speed, who wins at dip, and who wins with burst, Nelson Caesar is your guy. I think the frame is going to be huge. He's going to have to win weigh-ins, but I would I would love watching him rush the passer. I want to see him do it against other tackles that are a little bigger that he's going to see in Mobile. But that's one of my guys as well. Yeah, Caesar is a guy I was looking at. Although in terms of you know undersized, because I'm I'm looking for specifically for the Bears, I'm looking for someone opposite of Montez. So I'm looking for a quick twitch. You know, it doesn't have to be necessary that you know that the 6'4, 260, 275 defensive end. I'm, I'm looking for a guy that can bring some pressure. Caesar is one of them. Isaac is, is, is the one you talked about already, you know, early on in, from Penn State. Another guy is, is Brendan Jackson from Washington State. Um, you know, the number 80 kind of throws you off. Like, this is, was this guy a tight end before? Or what, what was his number 84? But that, that's his number. Uh, he's had a couple of injuries in his, in his career. So he's another fifth year senior, but another guy that just plays with his hair on fire. I think that those are the three guys, these undersized edge guys to, to, to keep an eye on uh, for our fans that are going to be watching the senior world practices. Those three guys are, are, are guys, potential day three guys. They can come in and, and at least at the very end, you know, be a situational pass rusher. JP, before we get you out of here, a couple of NFL questions. Uh, first of all, what do you know about Shane Waldron? And do you think he can be an effective offensive coordinator with the roster that the Bears presently have? And maybe even, you know, uh, a trading out at the quarterback position, Justin, for one of the top quarterbacks available in this draft. What do you know about Shane Waldron? So what Shane Waldron is going to bring, he is, of course, a... I don't want to say descendant because it sounds like familial, but he is from the Sean McVay tree. He's going to bring a lot of wide zone, outside zone, boot action. But one of the things I thought was kind of his added touch, his added flavor to the McVay system was using pistol and using two tight end sets. When you think of Sean McVay and the Rams, you think of 11 personnel. They live and die in 11 personnel. Of course, the Seahawks ran a lot, a lot of 11 personnel. They were one of the 10 10 most high usage 11 personnel teams in the NFL last year. But what really separated them was they were third in success rate out of 12 personnel. They love being in that. They love to get Noah Fant and they love to get Kobe Parkinson or Will Disley on the field together because what he can do is he can get into those pistol looks. I wrote about it for SB Nation this year. He kind of takes aspects of a triple option looking offense, but he runs it with a tight end. So you have the defense in base personnel and you can throw out of that. And basically, you're playing the matchup game. And right. that's why I kind of think at nine, if they want to, you can take a Brock Bowers there. And I know they just yeah. paid they just paid Cole Komet. I get it. You lost me there, JP. You lost me, man. <laughs> I completely understand paying Cole Komet. But Brock Bowers is a special tight end. He is a special mover, receiver at the position. I think he brings a lot more receiving upside, both in the short yardage and downfield. He is a monster after the catch. He is insane. They they used him as a running back. They used him on jet sweeps at Georgia. They got him the ball in any way possible. I think if you're looking at wanting to live at a 12 personnel and you kind of look at a team kind of like in the division, you look at Green Bay, you look at what the success they had out of 12 personnel with Musgrave and Tucker Craft, you say, hey, maybe – you can get Brock Bowers to be your Musgrave. You can be, get him to be the vertical stretcher while you have him running kind of the – he was very good at the split block. So you ran a lot of split zone at Georgia. He was great at the split block. So you have him running that split block or you can leak him out the backfield. You want to get the ball in his hands. I think Shane Waldron with 
if it's Justin Fields, perfect. It's perfectly fine. But I think potent, the potential of adding Brock Bowers to an offense with Komet, who can be a very good short yardage, like he can work the intermediate, like short to intermediate range, mm-hmm. but you can have another legitimate threat as a receiving option next to DJ Moore. You can be versatile. You can play the matchup game. Vince uh, wants to know, Danny, uh, why no Bowers love? And before you answer that, I want to say real quick, I was looking at some Shane Waldron tape, and he, he ran a pistol with the running back uh, behind the quarterback and two tight ends to the immediate right of the quarterback, Geno Smith. And, the, and when I saw that formation and the results that Waldron was getting out of that formation at the senior bowl, all of a sudden I said, you know what, maybe I need to look at some Brock Bowers tape because this guy could fit in really, really well. But Danny, why, why no Bowers love? No shit on Brock Powers. I, I think he's. I think he's. He's a heck of a, heck of a talented pass catching threat. But he, but he's going to come in around six two and a half, maybe six three. I, I think that that is not 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 the size that we're looking for in terms of a a tight end like a, a compliment to to uh, to Cole Komet. I, I think he's more of an H back type, a guy that you have to scheme open at the, at the next level at the NFL level. Uh, you know, you know, speed wise, we'll see what he runs at the combine. But I, I don't, you know, I know he looks fast in the SEC, but I just, I just don't see him being. No, he was injured this year, so. But again, I just at number nine, I'm looking at earmarked specifically for either a big receiver like an X receiver, whether it's uh, the kid from Washington, Oduzene, or uh, it, it, like a, a, a lot to, you know, the, the pass rusher from, from UCLA we're just talking about right now. But those are the impact players I'm looking at. And then I think what they're going to do for tight end, and I agree, and I love the fact that they, that he runs 12 personnel, even 13 personnel, because I, I was here, and although you can attest to it, week in and week out last year saying, get Justin under shot, under center, get the, the 12-man personnel out there, you're a running football team, and, and Getsy, who was here last year, just wouldn't stick to that, he just wouldn't be consistent with that, I think Waldron will do that, and I think he will, if, if it is um, uh, Justin Fields, I think he'll use that to play action, the rollout, I think he'll use all that stuff to, to get Justin, but I think you're needing, you know, if you're looking at, I think they're going to go probably free agent in terms of like you talked about, I got no offense, a free agent part. And both those tight ends are free agents and from Seattle. You no, know, those are guys they can probably go in and bring in to be nice compliments, veteran guys to compliment Cole Komet instead of wasting a top 10 pick on, on a guy like Brock Bowers, right? To me, is more like a, like an H back kind of guy who might go later on in the first round, not, not top 10, not top 10 area. Uh, and uh, I want to also get your thoughts on uh, Harbaugh. Uh, being hired by the Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, JP. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? So my first thought, uh, well, my immediate thought is Jim Harbaugh's at on Twitter is at Coach Jim for UM. Can he change that? Can he <laughs> change the yeah. Coach Jim for LA? Yeah. He, it doesn't really have the same ring to it. It doesn't have the yeah. same like Coach Jim for UM. I think they're going to have to change. Something's going to have to change here to get it to rock. <laughs> but overall, I think this is a fine, this is a good move for the Chargers. Mm-hmm. I think they needed to bring in somebody who could have at least a modicum of success in the NFL. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, even if you, if you just don't want to look at the stuff that he did at Michigan, which he was phenomenal at Michigan. I mean, he brought them a national title. Like that's something like he did everything. Did we lose JP? <laughs> he did everything he said he was going awesome. to do at Michigan. Uh, you can, you can look at the Connor Stallions cheating stuff. Take that how you will. But he did do everything that he said he was going to do at Michigan. Yep. At Sa- in San Francisco, he turned that team into a force on the yep. West Coast. He runs a physical downhill attacking style of football, and then that defense is going to be extremely disciplined. I'm very curious to see who he hires 
as his coordinators. Of course, um, the immediate connection is Greg Roman, which that's gonna be horrible. I, I, for I don't know. I don't that's horrible know. for Herbert. That I is... don't know if this is going to work with Herbert in yeah. terms of what Greg Roman liked to do with his mm-hmm. quarterback, but he has shown the ability to kind of coordinate other quarterbacks that are more like Herbert in terms of what they do, the play style. But defensive coordinator, he's got a lot of options. And I think bringing in Jesse Minter, his DC in Michigan, would be a phenomenal move. I love Jesse Minter. I love watching those Michigan defenses because they they are the same style as Mike McDonald's Ravens where it all the pressures are so – simple but they he makes them look complex which is what you want to do defensively you want to make everything simple for your guys and make it complex for everybody else so that's something that he's done very well jesse mentor's done a great job of that i'm really excited to see what he does at the defensive coordinator spot if he gets that shot to be an nfl dc i think he'd do really well there i just i want to see what he does offensively i'm very curious to see how he kind of meshes his tree offensively with what the Chargers currently have. I think this is also keying towards, hey, I think Brock Bowers is also in play here at six. <laughs> we might not even make it to Chicago and not. <laughs> well, right. He's going to be in play here because what Michigan did a lot was they were in 12, 13 personnel, Stanford. You think of everywhere Jim Harbaugh has been. They ran 12 personnel, 13 personnel, and they ran the pith out of the football. Bringing in a guy like Pep Hamilton who will work with Justin Herbert is fine. I think that's great. I wonder who's going to be the play caller. That's the big question I have. But outside of that, if he hires a good guy to call plays, I think I'm in. Interesting. Here, here first, guys. Within and, and I was pining for Jim Harbaugh to come to Chicago and be the Bears head coach. But obviously, you know, uh, other people of the house hall didn't agree. But I hear you here first. Within three years – the Chargers will either have, been, have played a Super Bowl or have won a Super Bowl within three years of Jim Harbaugh's arriving there. He's a winner. The guy is going to win. He'll he'll be weird, and he'll leave in six years or five years, but he's going to win on his way out. Yeah, I have no doubt about that. Um, JP, what's with the samurai sword behind you? Oh, these are from an anime that I watched, One Piece. They're uh, okay. swords from uh, the My son's a big fan of that, yeah. My son's but, a big fan. I, <laughs> I I love having them. I saw them uh, when I first moved to Orlando, and I'm like, ah, I guess I got to buy these. So they are currently the centerpiece of my little bookshelf I got going on back here. It looks very cool. It looks very cool. And you are very cool for sticking with us for almost an entire hour. Really appreciate you, JP. Uh, again, let our fans know where they can find you on social media and read your work. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at Acosta32 underscore JP, at JP Acosta32 on threads. I am the lead NFL draft writer for SB Nation, but I'm also a football writer. I have a column coming out every Friday called Establish the Fun. We're going to be dipping into the conference championships. Got some pretty fun stuff I got cooking up for you guys, but just follow, see what I'm doing, see what I'm watching. And you're a pro wrestling fan too, huh? 100%. One hundred percent. Yes, sir. <laughs> wow. I I took my uh, nephews to watch a pro wrestling match about uh, fifteen years ago to the Allstate Arena. I said never again. <laughs> I was in there for eight hours. It was like a TBS or TNT taping of one of their monster. And I, I just, oh man, it taking forever to set up cameras and stuff. I said never again. But I'm glad you like it. 
but I, I'm in probably in the minority here. Never again. <laughs> it's, it's great. I love it. They have a pro wrestling school here in uh, about 30 minutes away from where I'm at. They had a free class last year for anybody. You to try. I went and I was a pro wrestler for a day. I can certifiably tell you it hurts. <laughs> yeah. All, all it hurts. <laughs> yeah. They professional wrestlers have proven that to uh TV people whenever they have said to their face, yeah, it's all fake. <laughs> and uh <laughs> that Hulk yeah. Hogan will pick somebody up by the neck and, and toss them down to the floor. All right, JP, we'll let you go and uh we'll be talking soon. Okay, brother. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thank you, JP. Yes. Okay, that is JP Acosta. He is the man, the man. Um Danny, anything that he said regarding a player? Because I know that some of the players he mentioned are going to be on a segment we're going to do in a little while, which is your top 10 players yep. uh, that you want to look at at the Senior Bowl. And then next week we'll add more to that list. But anything that's really stood out that you want to make a comment in before we switch switch subjects here? Well, I, mean, I think I think we've we've covered Latu enough here. Where you saw he's like I said, he's going to probably end up being my top-rated player in this at, in, in Mobile next week because mm -hmm. I, I think he's he's a, a top you know top of the first round kind of guy. Uh, I, I love the, the motor. I love the way he plays. Uh, he could be a, a you know he could rush from a you know from a two-point stance, standing up. He could put his hand on the ground, be a base defensive end. You know, plays just as hard versus the run as the pass. Like I said, you know, a hands technician, probably the best hands technician I've seen come out since Joey Bosa came out. Uh, you know, so this guy has it. Every, and in the last two years, you know, has, has dominated the Pac-12 in terms of his numbers. You know, in sacks and everything like that. The biggest question with him is going to be his medicals, and that's not going to be answered until. The combine and when the teams get, get the records and then and, and his their doctors can go and, and poke and pry him and, and see what's going on because that's a huge question mark right there you know the, the neck obviously the the reason he retired two years ago you know, he was at washington like i said earlier if you guys didn't catch it uh had to retire because of a neck injury five doctors you know wouldn't clear him they said that you know he's a chance to you know, god forbid you know get paralyzed on the football field if he played again so he retired for a year um i didn't i don't follow i didn't follow in terms of what happened after that then he came back uh, to, to UCLA, transferred to UCLA, and last two years has been playing lights out. So that's the biggest thing. If if his medical's clear, yeah, he's he's a top ten pick. Like I said earlier, all day for me. Um, you know, the, but the thing is, you know, you want to know if this player, God forbid, you know, is he gonna, you know, is he gonna make it? You know, that the biggest thing is, will he make it to a second contract? But you know, but now it's like, you know, if, if this is something that earlier in, in his career that they doctors wouldn't clear him because he could get paralyzed. That is huge. And NFL teams have to look into that, but that's the only thing that I think would, would stop him from being a top 10 pick. So we, we, I think we kind of discuss it and his, his comp JP's comp was, was, um, um, and, uh, uh, Watt JJ Watt. And my comp for him is, is more Aiden Hutchinson from the lions, mm -hmm. you know, a guy that can be, you know, a, you know, a motor, high motor guy, high effort guy that can, that can rush from a two point stance, rush, you know, from a, can drop back as well. And I think Aiden Hutchinson is, is the kind of comp and imagine having Aiden Hutchinson opposite uh, a Montez sweat. You know, now you're talking about this defensive line really coming together. Yeah, indeed. All right. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, our next segment is uh, the Guys over at ontapsports.com are doing a great job of covering sports, all Chicago sports, and including the Bears and the NFL draft. Quinton Crisco is one of their top uh, draft uh, scouts who writes a column, and rec he recently wrote about Troy Fontenot, and so I asked him if he wouldn't mind coming on and giving us a scouting report on the Washington offensive lineman. 
projects best the NFL as an offensive guard, according to certain people. I think there's a chance he could stay at offensive tackle. He has the size. He has the length, the arm length to stay at tackle if you want him to. And I think he has the athleticism too as well. Where I'd really notice his athleticism is in pass protection, his his lateral steps, his ability to cover ground out on the corner is impressive. But the reason why he's really being projected inside is the mental processing, the the technique, the, the, the fine details of playing on the edge that you have to have hammered down and that you don't really need the same way in the interior. You can see him get over aggressive at times, get get out of position. He's a high motor guy, so he's always moving. And sometimes that's detrimental to players, especially at offensive tackle, where your positioning, your body positioning, the angles that you're setting up are really important. And so really the, the idea with him kicking inside the guard is more about his play style and that, that that's hyperactivity that you see on his tape less than his actual physical ability to stay at tackle. When Braxton Jones goes down, you can kick this guy out to tackle and feel okay about it. I'm just not sure he's a guy that you want to be saying as this is our franchise offensive tackle out here. This guy has bad intentions on every snap, a finishing demeanor, that mentality that he just wants to put you in the dirt. And I think a big part of that, of having that finishing attitude, is having the imposing grip to be able to do it. And that's something that Fountainew has as well, where once he latches onto you, he ain't letting go until either you're going to force him to get a holding penalty or he's putting you in the dirt. That's kind of what he tries to do out there. He has the strength. He has the grip to really just drive you out of running lanes, to, to put you where he wants you to be. There are occasions where he is hesitant and you might not see the athleticism flash for all it can be. But then there's times where it just it shows out and you're you go, wow, that guy can move. He can get lateral. He can get vertical. He can go cover a bunch of space on a pole. So the athleticism is there. It's just matching the uh, the mental processing up with the athleticism for it to reach its full potential. The thing that he really did well in run blocking, I thought, was on pin and pole stuff was really where you saw him do really well as a run blocker outside of the polling, it does show me he has the power to be able to kick inside and handle those interior defensive linemen. Even, you know, on all those reps, he's not getting a near hole. He's not cracking the guy. There are some times where they see it coming and he's still handling the guys just fine. Um, but the difference making aspect is him as a polar, which I think he'll get more opportunities to do as an offensive guard than he does as a tackle. His ability to, to take lateral steps. He has really active feet and really active hands. Sometimes his hands don't have a purpose, though, which, you know, activity's great. You'd love to see guys who don't get stuck with their hands. Um, but I'd like to see him grow his purpose a little more as to why his hands are active, as to why, you know, right now he's just kind of the Tasmanian devil out there. You'd like to see him bring more purpose to say, I am, you know, taking taking away his hands before they can get inside, and then he has to find another way to beat me as opposed to just, I'm punching, 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 punching. I love how active his feet are when he's cutting outside and then covering back inside, but sometimes he gets too far. He gets too active. He gets too, too, it's almost like in when for quarterbacks, you talk about happy feet. I feel like he gets a little bit of happy feet in where 
he's trying to anticipate what the rusher is going to do in front of him before it happens, and that can get him in trouble sometimes. As I mentioned, he has the athleticism to stay at tackle. He has the arm length to stay at tackle. It's just a question of can he bring that hyperactivity, more purpose to the hyperactivity that he has in pass protection. I think he's probably going in the top 50 as an offensive guard. And this is one of the things that gets kind of weird with this because my film grade says top 100, but my film grade is at offensive tackle, not at offensive guard. So you have to try and project this a little. And right now my film grade, it's, it's just a pure plus minus system. Um, once we get closer to the draft, I'll refine it a little more down to more of my opinion along the lines of my grading system. But just based purely on my grading system as an offensive tackle, it's top 100. I think an offensive guard, this athleticism and size and length with the versatility to kick out to tackle when you, when you need him to, you should be looking at least as, at a top 75 player, if not a top 50 player. He made the honor roll in 2020. Um, so, you know, you got a guy who can handle the mental side of the game a little more, uh, who is capable of learning. I think his scheme fit. I think he's pretty versatile, but coming out of Washington, I think a pass heavy attack would be the easiest transition for him, especially like a West Coast offense where you don't have to hold up blocks for too long and you can just focus on wearing down your opponent. I mean, this offensive line this year, I think especially, they really started to build an identity around Tevin Jenkins. I mean, it, it became clear as the season was going that when Tevin was out on the field, that offensive line played differently. They had a different attitude to them. They had a certain like cockiness to them and a just that mean demeanor of wanting to wanting to make the opponent's D-line pay, which is awesome to see. And I think between Tevin Jenkins and Darnell Wright, you really started to see that become an identity of the group and something that Troy Fountain really, really fits in with, I think. My name is Quentin Crisco. You can find my work over at ontapsportsnet.com where we are covering as many draft prospects as we can this year. You're on uh, mute, Aldo. Good. You didn't hear me mispronounce his name. <laughs> Thank you, Quentin. Uh, Danny, uh, what are your thoughts on Troy? Yeah, Quentin made some nice, some good points. Uh, some points I agree with, but there's I, there's some things that I don't, I don't agree with. And, and you guys, you guys have followed me all these years. You know, I'm I'm a big proponent for my tackles have to have the arm length, right? The necessary arm length. And he's gonna have, I believe, I was told sub sub 33 inch arms, right? Or if it's if it's if he's in 33, it's it's right on the border of that. And for me, you know, even watching some of those highlight tapes of him, you know, like you know, his his pass sets are. His technique is all over the place, right? There's times where you see him balance and he gets to a set point quickly enough to, to be meaning that he has the athletic ability to play left tackle, but then he lets the guy into his into his chest, into his torso, and gets controlled and walked back. So to me, a lot of times, and uh that's uh, that's the arm like not being able to shoot your arms and keep the guy off your body. The other thing is you'll see a lot of times when he's trying to reach and, and get to a defender who's gone off to him, he doesn't have the length to go in and, and touch him and push him and get him off, off his pattern. So for me, Troy is, is a guy that's gonna kick inside the guard. Um, uh, you know, in a pinch, could he play left tackle for you? If your left tackle goes down, he moves up. Yeah, he can do that. But as, as a full-time thing, you know, moving over, you know, for his career, I think he's, he's an inside left guard. 
Uh, again, two-year starter. He's played both left tackle and left guard for Washington. Um, you know, he's, he's a people mover. This is a guy. He's a physical guy. He's he's nasty. He's got a nasty you know a, a temperament. Uh, he'll finish his blocks. Good lower body strength. Will will get on there and drive defenders off off their off the, their spots. You know, again. Pass pros are solid sometimes, so that, that's inconsistent. But that can be coached up, right? That thing to me is 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 the the fact that, and it's been proven time and time again. There are some here and there that that do get away playing left tackle with sub, you know, 34, 35 inch arms. But I, I think this with this case, I think his his best spot is going to be kicked inside to left guard, and I think he can have potential to be a really damn good left guard um, going in the future. Would you entertain the idea of bringing in a guard? Let's say, Troy, we acquire a second-round pick or two second-round picks, and Troy is there. Uh, and given Tevin Jenkins' injury history and the uh, excusable but yet ineffective play by Nate Davis, and I say excusable because of the death in his family and so forth and injuries, would you consider – uh, bringing in a guard in round two who can play multiple positions. And then, as Quinton said, if Braxton Joes goes down, you, you've got an emergency guy. If you don't have a swing, a, 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 a viable swing tackle on the roster, you can move uh, Troy Fontenot out there. And would you consider that? I will, I will always consider bringing in talented offensive linemen and defensive linemen. You can never have enough offensive defensive linemen, although that that's where the team gets built. And for me, and, and and I know you you said in terms of Nate Davis with with the family stuff, but that was early in preseason, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about you know week seventeen, week eighteen. He's getting mauled out there. So I mean, Nate Davis to me was was a fragile flop. I mean, I I thought there are, there are times middle of the season where he had some some nice production, especially in the run game. I think him teamed with Darnell right, but I, but I think it was too inconsistent for me. So I'm not sure what the contract status is. If if there's a lot of dead cap money, if you cut him or release him, but if you get a kid like a Troy of uh, Fontenot, and then you bring him in at left guard next to Braxton Jones. You move Tevin Jenkins over to right guard. Tevin Jenkins, when he played right guard next to Donald Wright, that side was dominating, was dominating on, on, on the right side, those two together. So I, I, I think I think your best position would be to put Tevin Jenkins at right guard, have him team up with Donald Wright, and have those big, nasty guys on, on the right side and, and then run your offense or, you know, your, your run action game behind those guys. And if you bring a kid like this, that's talented and can play left guard. Now you, now you do a, a good job of solidifying your, solidifying your, uh, your, your line, offensive line as well. So yes, I am open to, you know, uh, if we're now center is the, the main wing, uh, weak link for me. Uh, that's what I'm going to be concentrating on in terms of the draft, in terms of free agency. But if you can get an upgrade a guard and kick Tevin over to right guard, I would definitely do that as well. Excellent. All right, well, let's concentrate now on the 10 players that you have chosen that you're going to focus on during Senior Bowl week. You've got access to the practice tape, and, of course, you'll look at the game tape, and then after the game you'll report back here on these 10 players and other players, uh, and then tell us how – you know, what you feel about them. The first player we've talked at length about, so I'm not sure how much more we need to talk about, but it is the UCLA defensive end edge rusher, Liatu. Latu. Did I pronounce that correctly? I believe so. Yeah, you did a good job there. Yep. I mean, like I said, this guy is, is going to probably be my highest rated guy at the Senior Bowl this, this week. So, you know, I, I think we've already covered him, both myself and, and JP. So I think we can we can move on to the next guy. Excellent. Uh, Justin, and this one I'm going to have trouble with, Ibo Jibe. It's, uh, it's actually pronounced Ibo, Ibo B. 
That's oh, okay. So the G is silent. Yeah. Evil yeah. EB. So uh, six foot five, two hundred ninety-two pound defensive lineman from Alabama. Go ahead. Yeah, Justin is, is a guy we talked about. You know, a lot too in, in his injury in, in the past. Justin is a, is a five-star athlete coming out of high school or Georgia. Chose Alabama over schools like Georgia, Florida, Arkansas, Tennessee, so on and so forth. Um, you know, in twenty twenty-two, suffered a um, a neck injury that mm-hmm. that curtailed this curtailed this season and just this past year was his first time really being fully healthy so that's why he's, he's really a one-year starter and then he came out and had his best season 11 and a half tackles for loss seven sacks you know you know i go and watch alabama's guys and then i and i'm looking at i'm looking at the edge guys right i'm looking at at chris broswell i'm looking at dj turner but the guy that keeps catching my eye is 92 and and justin is, is a guy solid size length thick he's about 6'4 290 pounds uh, he played up and down that defensive line for Alabama. He's played some defensive end. He played some nose tackle. I think he's a guy that, you know, that a lot of two gapping there in Alabama. I think he's a guy that if you play him at a, at the one technique or if you play him at a three technique in this system and give him the opportunity to get up field, hit those gaps and get up there, I think he can he can make a difference, right? He had seven sacks last year, which was his career high. Um, again, solid power at the line of scrimmage, can control blockers, uh, you know, it has a good solid get off for a guy, especially, you know, 290 some pounds, um, you know, it's solid converting speed to power. So right now he doesn't, he's not a technician with his hands, but he's more of a guy that can just basically bully up offensive lineman back into the quarterback's lap. Um, you know, can, again, can play base end uh, at, at uh, Alabama. Can, for me, he's more of a three technique, solid one technique possibly, but a guy's going to be inside in the middle, um, you know, can take on double teams, maintain his ground. You know, we saw when they they did some uh, some uh, lateral movement on him in terms of some zone some zone blocks. He was able to get skinny, penetrate in between the guard and, and the center, and get into the backfield and and make some make a impact on the run game. So eleven and a half tackles for loss. This is a guy that to me is just going to get better, right? Uh, you know, he doesn't have the quick twitch that I normally look for in my in my three techniques. But the one thing I, I learned from the last couple of drafts with, with, uh, you know, with Eberflus and what he's looking for, for his interior guys, he wants size. He wants athletic guys. And he wants physical and nasty guys. He's not looking for those Aaron Donald, Tommy Harris types in this type of defense. He's looking for guys that, you know, obviously if, if you have those guys with the size, you'll love them, but he's looking for guys that are big, physical, the length, I think this is uh, Justin that fits that criteria as, as a guy that's going to be six five, long arms, two hundred ninety two pounds. He could probably put another ten pounds on him, making three hundred pounds. And again, he'll go in that rotation there. You know, uh, Justin Jones is, is a veteran that's a free agent. You know, so that, you know that could be a, a nice rotation there with with the two young guys from last year and, and a kid like this. That's a nice foundation there inside the middle of that defensive line. So Justin is, is a guy I really like. Uh, I, I I had him pegged early on as a, maybe a, th- a third round, fourth round guy, but I'm, I'm hearing a lot of things about him. I think this guy has a potential. If it goes down in, into Mobile, has a great week, he could go second round. Excellent. I, I love the idea, you know, that of Iberflus's, uh defense of – collapsing that pocket right into the face of the opposing quarterback. And if this guy can add to that, we should make him a target. And by the way, uh, Danny, you do does such a great job of evaluating this play, these players. It gets me all fired up. I want to fire up the tape and start looking at them for myself. Uh, great job. And the next guy, number three on the list is Byron Murphy, the second six foot one, 308 pounds, 21 year old defensive lineman out of Texas. 
Yeah, the Big 12 uh, Defensive Player of the Year this past season. Now, this guy is more of the three technique you'd think of when you, when you look at when you look at the 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 traditional you know Tampa two defense. You know, he's a quick twitch guy. Now he's got some good good weight on him. It's there throw away, but I think he's he's going to come in under under 300 pounds when he's weighed in at at, at the uh, at the Senior Bowl and at the Combine as well. He's probably 297, right around 300. Around six feet, so you know he might not have the arm length and the length and the size we just talked about. What Ibuflus might like, but he's a guy that's got the quick lateral agility, thick lower body. He's a guy that that is able to to take on double teams and stand his ground, but also has the quickness. If you allow him to go ahead and hit that gap and get upfield, he's got the ability to penetrate and make a difference in the, in the backfield. Uh, last year was his best year: five sacks, eight and a half tackles for loss. But again, a lot of times he was misused as as a two gap guy. He's a guy. His first step was lateral not upfield and i think if you give him that chance to go ahead and just hit it up he'll get up there after the quarterback he's a guy i think at the pro level could be a much better much more impactful pass rusher than what we saw at texas so this is a guy one-on-ones this guy and and some of these offensive linemen keep an eye on him he's gonna he's gonna probably maybe make a couple a couple highlight reels uh, this, this next week Love it. And then you mentioned earlier Jordan Morgan. This is a guy who, as the year went on, his draft st stock went up. The six foot five offensive tackle out of Arizona. Um, and, and again, I didn't include arm length or any of that stuff because uh, we'll do that once the combine gives us those official numbers, numbers that are taken by one person. And so there's consistency. One of the things I learned from Greg Gabriel is that from organization to organization or event to event, when they do these measurements, they sometimes do them differently. And so, right. you know, some guy could have a 35 inch inch uh, arm length and then uh, it goes to the combat and it's 33 and a half so uh, right it shrunk or, or it got longer it, it, it all depends but but right. the uh, the nfl uses the the combine as mm -hmm. the, the end all be all in terms of the official you know length and all that stuff but uh, yeah morgan I, I i love this kid i mean i mean six you know a six five 312 pounds uh you know he's a guy that that's a three-year starter start, started 37 games at left tackle for arizona you know, size, length, feet to play left tackle in the NFL. It's got the length, in my opinion, you know, solid lateral agility, you know, can, can shuffle, slide in pass protection, mirror defenders, good balance, you know, agility for someone, again, that big, that size, plays with good leverage and then drives defenders off their spot you know, in terms of on run blocking, can pull and run in space as a lead blocker. You know, we talked about Jacob Owing, uh, Cowing, that receiver I was looking at, and we'll talk about him later on, but he's a guy a lot of times you see him out, you know, Jordan Morgan here out in, in, in the open and leading as, as a lead blocker. So he's got the athletic ability. He's got the starting experience. I think he's got the feet. You know, some I've talked to think he might be a right tackle eventually, maybe even kicked inside the guard. But I, I think he's a guy that get given an opportunity. Now, there's some technique stuff you got. You got to go ahead and, and fix with them, right? You know, get stood up a lot of times. He needs to play better with, with leverage in terms of keeping his pad level down. Uh, but he's got to get, you know, coached up, right? So he may not be a day one starter. But again, if you're the Bears, you're looking to bring in a guy that, you know, we talked about right now, you know, potentially moving Tevin Jenkins to the right guard. You know, if you bring in a Jordan Morgan, he could be your left left guard until he, you know, gets all cried up. And, it, and if Braxton Jones doesn't work out a left tackle, you can kick this kid out to, to left tackle and then replace that left guard position. So Jordan Morgan is a guy, again, you're like, he's probably looking at second, you know, I've, I've heard first round, but I think that might be a little bit too rich for him. He might, he might go later, lower first round, but I'm thinking right now, it's early on in the process, but I think you know second round is, is probably where you're looking at Jordan Morgan go. Do you think J2K uh, asked, do you think Jordan uh, Morgan is better, uh, an upgrade over Braxton Jones? 
J2K, it's a, that's a good question. I mean, I mean, as of right now, I'd say no because Braxton Jones played two seasons in the NFL, so that experience counts for a lot in my in my book. So I, I think I would not come in and say, all right, you know, Jordan Morgan, you're replacing Braxton Jones if you drafted Jordan Morgan. But if you go through camp and you and you see Jordan Morgan's out playing Braxton Jones, I have no problem with with swapping him out, or like I said, start him off inside a guard, uh, and and then let him let him kind of get his feet wet in the NFL, and then eventually, if you see Braxton Jones continue to struggle not developing like you want, kicking Jordan Morgan out to left tackle. Like I said, 37 career starts, three-year starter Arizona, all at left tackle. This kid, I think, has the size, the feet, and the and the length to be a left tackle in the NFL. Excellent. We move on to the tackle from BYU, Kingsley. I'll give this a try. Suama Teaea. Uh, yeah, I, I, JP <laughs> talked about him. Uh, again, another just a, a, a mammoth, a man, you know, six, you know, six, five, six, six, you know, 320-some pounds. Five-star high school recruit coming out of, of you know of Oregon, committed actually to Oregon. Uh, you know, was recruited by Alabama, Florida. You know, a lot of LSU, the big, big power schools, and he ended up going to Oregon. Transferred from Oregon, went to went to BYU in 2022. Now he's got some versatility. He's played some left tackle. He's played some right tackle. You know, 12 games of right tackle, 11 11 games of left tackle. So he's got the the flexibility. So we're, you know, again, we're bringing in. I'm, I'm giving you a prospect here to keep an eye on because. That versatility could play in you know big role. You know, if you draft a kid like this, if he's available, like say in the second round, I don't think he'll make the second round. But again, if he makes it to the second round, you know, this guy gives you versatility where if if you know the left tackle doesn't work out, Braxton Jones, he could play there. You know, for whatever reason you want to kick down out, you know, right inside to right tackle, he could play right tackle. So again, a guy with this size, that length, the athletic ability, only 21 years old. Uh, you know, there's I, I think he goes in the first round because guys this big, this athletic don't usually end up in the second round. But if you can get your hands on it, Bears don't have a second round pick right now. But I'm talking about keep your eye on this guy because this guy's you're going to see this name rising up draft boards as we get closer and closer to the draft. Uh, Danny, there seems to be some feeling in the chat by some that you're giving up on Braxton Jones. No. Clarify I'm that, not. please. No, I'm not giving up Braxton Jones, guys. I'm not giving up. I'm just I was just going through the the, the list that, that players have accepted, you know, uh, invitations to the to the senior bowl and guys that I see as talents, right? So uh, what we talked about Jordan Morgan as a possible left tackle. There are questions about Braxton Jones, right? You know, start off last year, you know, I was one of the biggest his biggest fans coming into after his rookie season in, in terms of last year, and it started off really rough. All right. And actually the whole offense started rough and then he got injured and he came back and, and he had some, some good moments and some good games, but then he had some really bad games, right? The, you know, the, the green Bay game the last week, it wasn't really good for, for Braxton Jones. You know I mean? The whole offense line really didn't, didn't play well, but if you can upgrade there and, and bring someone into a young guy to, to challenge him and get better, you know, that's what you should be doing. That's what you should be looking to do, right? So, you know, and, and maybe Braxton Jones gets kicked inside the guard. He could be your left guard. And I know you have uh, Jordan Morgan or or, or Kingsley as, as, your, as your left tackle. So, so these are things you have to look at if you're Ryan Poles and the Bears and you're building this offensive line. Because remember, what's the model we always hear everyone say? The five best players, right? If, if the five best players are on the football field blocking your quarterback, you know, you got to do that. And, I, and I'm, I'm not getting off Braxton Jones. But I'm just saying, like, you, if you bring in competition, sometimes the best way to get guys to play better is bring in a competition, a lot of fire under their ass. Dobzy wants to know, is there a chance that he could play center position? He's a smart guy, but is his size almost too big? Yeah, to that's, that's, that's too big. That's too big, Dobzy. I, I don't, he's like 6'5", 300-plus pounds. I, I, don't, I don't see a, a, a center that, that big playing there. So, no, I, I'd say Braxton Jones could possibly kick inside the guard if you wanted him to. Um, but you know, if you bring in a, a, a left tackle prospect, 
Um, you know, and there's going to be like two or three tackle prospects at number nine sitting there, right? The kid from Notre Dame, Alt, and then and then also the uh, um, Fashanu from from Penn State. Those are guys that that could potentially be you know starting a left left tackle. So you know, again, we'll see how the, the draft plays out. We'll see what they happens. They stay at number one, stay at number nine. They trade back, they trade up. You know, I think it can play out. But if you can upgrade your position, especially at a premier spot like left tackle, and then maybe move Braxton Jones to left guard, or maybe make him a swing tackle. You know, he's on a rookie contract. He's on a fifty and a fifth round pick rookie contract. It's not going to kill your cap or anything like that. So, but as long as you're getting better, and I'm not giving up a Braxton Jones, but if you can get better, you got to get better. Yep. All right, we continue with our list, and again, these are ten players that Danny is looking forward to scouting at the Senior Bowl uh, over the next several days. Uh, it's it, and he's going to add to this list on our on our next show. So, uh, and then after the Senior Bowl, we'll talk about their play. So, next up is wide receiver Brendan Rice, six foot three, two hundred and nine pounds. I found on the on the team's website. He's from USC and twenty one years old. Your thoughts? Yep, and we talked about him a little bit with JP as well. Obviously, the, the name kind of tells it all. He's he's you know Jerry Rice's son. Uh, you know, if we put on the, the you know the Caleb Williams tape. You know, he's he's a number one target. Uh, you know, he's a guy that that intrigues me because of his size, six two. You know, two hundred pounds is, is what I'm thinking is going to come in at. Um, you know, highly decorated prep star out of Arizona. You know, played basketball, ran track, had a ten point seven eight uh, hundred meters uh, time at, 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 in, in high school, twenty one point eight four in the two hundred meters. So he's got some speed. And if you put on his tape, uh, a, a three year start, I should say as well. I'll start off at Colorado State initially. That's where he, that's where he went. I'm sorry, not Colorado State, but Colorado, and then transfer over to uh, transfer over to, to USC. A two, a two year start here at USC. And I'm looking for. And this is what I'm looking at, guys. I'm looking for the needs right now for the Bears. I'm looking for an edge rusher, a speed guy. It doesn't have to be a 6'4", 275-pound, you know, prototypical defensive end. I'm looking for speed. I'm looking for twitch off the edge to complement Montez Sweat. That's the one thing. I'm looking then for receivers. I'm looking for multiple receivers. I'm looking for an X, which is typically the, the big body receiver, the guy that, that that lines up close, you know, on the line of scrimmage. And, and you know, if they're pressed, he's got the ability to beat press coverage. Because that's what they're missing. They got their Z with DJ Moore. They got their slot uh, with with potentially with with uh, Tyler Scott. I think they're looking for a big X guy. So that's one of the guys I'm looking for is, is a big X guy. And I think he fits the bill. And in terms of what I like about him is obviously the size, right? The size sticks out for me. You know, good speed, a track, like I said, track athlete in high school. More of a straight line speed guy, not a guy that's going to zigzag and quick twitch and, and make guys and juke and, and make a move. But what I like about him as well is, his ability, if you know, if you watch his tape, his ability to find holes in zone coverages and sit and make himself available, right? Big target, nice catch, catch radius. He's a guy again that can extend away from his frame and, and reel in the catch. And I think that's that's important. Whether it's whether it's Justin Fields here at quarterback or if it's Caleb or whoever they, they pick a number one, I think you need a big X receiver. And I think Brendan Rice gives you that ability with with some of that deep play, you know, deep speed that, that he can run, and also the ability to to find holes in, in zone coverages and, and be open and give him, give your receiver a nice big target in the middle of the football field. Excellent. And by the way, your next guy, Marcus Rosemey Jacent, I believe is the pronunciation. We're going to have a guest reviewer look at his play. He's a six foot two wide receiver out of Georgia. And as Danny just said, uh, a really good uh, potential prospect at that X uh, receiver position. Yeah, the size is sticks out. Obviously, six one, you know, a six one, six two, one hundred ninety pounds. He's got a little bit of a thin 
thin uh, thin frame, you know, skinny legs, but, you, but he's got room to grow there, add some muscle there and get him bigger. Uh, Four-star high school prospect, you know, also ran track track and field, a two-year starter. Um, this is a guy that, that had, high, they had high hopes for him at, at Georgia, right? Uh, but he had that a gruesome ankle injury, broke, it, broke his ankle on a touchdown catch in 2020, and it's kind of taken him some time to come back. But you know, you put his tape on, and the one the one thing you can see is is the acceleration, the ability to get off the line of scrimmage and get into his his route pattern quickly. Uh, again, big size, a guy that that's got. I'd say he's probably going to run in somewhere in the four fours at the combine. So he's got that big play speed. You know, I like the way that he extends away from his frame. You know, he's a, he's a hands catcher. He's not a guy that's going to go ahead and 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 cradle the ball into his body and, and use his body to go ahead and and catch the football. So I think he's a guy that projects he's a day three guy for me he's not a guy you're going to see in the first two or three rounds day three guy that's got the skills he's got some tools um you know and then the other thing about him that the first day i put on he's playing in kentucky and you know there was a, there was a one play and he kind of jumped away from the pile and i'm like oh this guy's got some george pickens in him but then you put on south carolina you put on other other games and, and he's out there he's actually battling he's actually blocking downfield so you know he's a guy that will go ahead and give effort and, and be a blocker downfield now we talked about you know shane waldron coming in you know looking for that big x he's a guy and one of the reasons he's gonna need these guys to block and then i think marcus uh rosemary jackson is a guy that hasn't hit this potential yet. I think last year was his best year at, at 535 yards, averaging 15.7 yards per catch and four touchdowns. But I think, again, took us some time for him to come back from that injury. I think now he's finally hitting his stride. The quarterback play at Georgia was a little bit shaky up and down. Um, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't consistent as it was, you know, the previous couple of years. But uh, I think, again, just the, the ability to go ahead and, you know, the size, the speed, the big play potential, I think this guy gives you that. And especially if you get him in, on day three of the draft, he could be someone you can come in here and fit in nicely. And the next wide receiver on your list is Javon Baker. Again, six foot one. I couldn't find an age on him. I don't know if you have one, but over 200 pounds. He's from the University of Central Florida. Yeah, it's funny because you there show him in, in the Alabama uh, helmet. But he's, <laughs> he's, he actually transferred. Yes. Four prospect, played at Alabama in 2020, 2021, and then uh, in, in, for 21 games, and then transferred to UCF. And a two-year starter there led the uh, led the Big 12 in receiving yards with 1100 or 1139 yards and in yards per reception almost 22 yards per reception right 61197 touchdowns last year again the kid averaged almost 22 yards per reception good height arm length gives you a, a nice huge catch radius again what I'm looking for here guys I'm looking for big play potential I'm looking for size on the outside um you know he's a guy he's a hands catcher again another one that can go up and pluck the ball out of the air can go up and, and make a play on those 50-50 you know contested catches um hasn't stopped this guy has some stop and go twitching him he's a guy that can make guys miss some juke you know after the catch so it gives you some yak as well so some yards after the catch so you know he's a guy to keep an eye on here as well uh, you know, we'll, we'll see that these one-on-ones is where a lot of these receivers make their, make their money. And, uh, you know, we'll see him with that size, with that, with that speed and with the ability to make guys miss. I'm, I'm curious to see how he does here in Mobile going against some of the, the better defensive backs here in the country. Standing. Uh, you talked about him a little before with JP and people in the chat room are talking about him now. Jacob Cowing, 5'11", 170 pounds, 22-year-old wide receiver out of Arizona. What do you got on him? Yeah, again, this is the guy I comp to Zay Flowers, right? The, the rookie that that is now you know doing good things for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I, again, he's a guy that that played his first three seasons at UTEP and then transferred over to to Arizona. He's a first team. Uh, he's a two year starter at Arizona. Led the Pac-12 in receptions with 85 in 2022. Uh, set the single season. Um, 
program record with 13 touchdowns, becoming the 22nd uh, FBS player in history to record over 4,000 yards in, in his career. So this is a high volume, high production cat, right? And like, like we talked about with JP, he's a quick twitch guy. He's going to be a slot guy. He's a little, little undersized, but again, quick, shifty slot type. Um, you know, it can be a weapon in space, a natural hands catcher. This is guy's instant acceleration uh, off the line of scrimmage. Yak opportunities galore with this kid. You know, we talked about, you know, previously get the ball in a playmaker's hands and get him in space. Jacob Cowing is, is a guy like that. So, again, going back to last year and how Tank Dell kind of lit up that, that senior bowl, those practices, I think Jacob Cowing has that ability. He has that twitch, has that ability to, to kind of make some of those plays and make some of those highlight catches, um, and, 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 and then we'll see how he goes from there. But, again, I'm looking for the Bears to probably draft two receivers, maybe bring, bring another one in for agency because you're going to have to re, – you know, re, other than – Tyler Scott and 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 DJ Moore. Obviously, Mooney's a free agent. St. Brown's a free agent. Um, if I'm missing somebody on the roster, guys, let me know. But I mean, I think you have to clear house on on that roster and that receiving core and bring in some young talent. I think an X and a kid like Jacob Cowing would be a nice way to, to to whether it's Justin or if it's a new quarterback to kind of incorporate them into the system. What are your expectations for Tyler Scott in 2024? Well, I, I mean, I want to see him take. The next step, right? I mean, uh, for me, I thought he was going to be that big, you know, deep, you know, big play guy down the middle of the football field and out of the slot. Obviously, that that didn't turn out to be. Um, you know, had some inconsistencies down the stretch, some some drop passes he should have caught. Um, the one in Cleveland sticks out to me. The one in Detroit sticks out to me as well, where he stopped on that that route. Um, but then he made some nice nice plays as well down down the you know in the middle of the season. So get consistent, get better. Obviously, he's a guy that's a little. You know, light in the pants. He's gonna have to get bright, bigger, stronger, and I, I see him more as, as a slot guy. And and the, what the all one thing is, some of these big guys I talked about is you can line them up in slot. Whether it's you know uh, Rice, whether it's it's uh, the, the kid from Georgia, you can, all those guys can line up in the slot, and you can get them going as well. And and hopefully with Shane Waldron coming in here, he'll be a little more creative with some of the weaponry that they could put around the quarterback. And now we see some some big plays here, not only from the receivers but also the tight ends and, and running backs too. Okay, we go back to the trenches for number 10 on your list, and that's Graham Barton. Six foot six is what I found on him. 315 pounds, 22-year-old offensive lineman from Duke. What do you got? Yeah, actually, I think they're coming a little lighter. They're kind of like 6'4", 314. This guy's a three-year starter. Started at, at, at guard for six games. I'm sorry, at center, six games as a freshman, and is playing predominantly the rest of the, the time at, at left tackle for, for Duke. You know, all, over 40 starts in his career. He's very durable. You know, all, all ACC first-team selection and academic all ACC. And, and this is a guy, as I talked with JP, he's a guy that has played left tackle, but he's going to kick inside, right? He can be, play guard. He can play center. And this is where I see him at. I see him as a, as a center. And he's a guy, a three, again, three-year starter, um, quick feet, natural knee bender, possesses the balance and lateral agility you're looking for, especially in this type of blocking scheme. You know, with, with the Waldron hiring, you know, the, the, the big you know assumption is they're going to keep that wide zone, you know, stretch offense. And then you need those athletic linemen that can block later, laterally and keep and keep their their blockers, you know, at, at bay. Um, you know, strikes with his hands, active hands, shoots them quickly in, in pass protection. You know, maintains his block, stays engaged while moving laterally. We just talked about, um, you know, rangy and fluid in pass protection. He's quick out of his stance, can, can get to his uh, set spot real quick. And again, this is all seeing him play as, as a left tackle, but I'm projecting him inside 
you know, hopefully at center. And I think this is where um, uh, you can kind of build your your center here. You're building block here off your offensive line with a kid like like Graham Bart. Now he hasn't he played center flex at six games as, as a freshman. Uh, you know, so he might need some time to reacclimate re to that. So you might have to bring in a veteran to kind of just kind of you know guide him through. But I think this is a guy whether it's guard or center. I think he's a guy that that can is going to have a, a, a starting potential going going to the to the next level here in the NFL. And the other thing is, guys, you know me. If I see a guy bury offensive lineman burying defensive lineman into the ground, that's nastiness. <laughs> I love those guys, and Graham Barton will do that. And and my my bet is he's probably be, be one of the first guys that gets into a fight, into a scuffle at, at those senior bowl practices with those defensive linemen going in those one on one. So I love this kid um, just based off his tape. And again, I'm projecting him inside. He played left tackle. I see him more of an inside player, but uh, keep an eye on, on Graham Barton in these in these practices at the senior bowl. Great stuff, Danny. Uh, by the way, Danny, this afternoon I had the opportunity to talk to a wide receiver who I want to put on your radar if he's not already on there, and it's the kid from Holy Cross, Jalen Corker. J2K knew about him, uh, so I talked to him and put together this little 10-minute highlight of our conversation. All right, as promised, with me is Jalen Coker from Holy Cross University. Jalen, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Great to be here. Excellent. Excellent. Are you excited about the upcoming All-Star game that you're going to be in? Tell me how you learned about it and what are you doing in preparation for it and so forth. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm totally excited. Uh, I was, you know, I had the, you know, uh, I was fortunate enough to play in the Hula Bowl this year. Fade route. There's Sanders into the corner of the end zone. The Holy Cross kid. Coker caught. Did he catch it? it? Yes, and that's a touchdown. Wow. What, what a hand? play by Coker. Jalen Coker. I mean, he's stuck that right hand. I think he's a pure one. Rolling on the catch. field is a touchdown. What a throw and a catch. I mean, it's just a, a fade route to the end zone here. Oh, that's. Oh, my. Ooh. God. Wow. You know, there's no review in this. I don't know, but I mean, regardless. What a catch. Wow. So to go to another one, the Shrine, uh, this week is going to be awesome. I mean, I heard about it. I just got the uh, – the my agent told me about a um, a little – like one of the people from the Shrine came up and was like, hey, we want you to come to the game. So then I had the opportunity to play, and I obviously accepted. So um, that was big. And then another uh, – like how I've been training, I was, I've been down here in Florida, uh, Fort Myers. I've been training with Jordan and his team at X3. So I've been trying to get ready. Uh, get my body right for the uh, for the All-Star game and the Pro Day as well. So uh, what exactly do you do in order, as you said, to get your body ready for an All-Star game? And then how is that different for getting ready for the combine? Well, I think getting ready for the All-Star game, really, it's more about, like, receiver work, like more catching the ball in traffic, making sure your hands are in the right place, feet are in the right place, you know, just kind of the smaller things um, to train for the All-Star game and then for the – combine it's more like you know you obviously like stretching and all that comes into play strength training you know you want to be we're working the the three cone the 40 starts all that stuff you want to really do the testing well so that you can you know do your best whenever the that time comes so I feel like they all kind of mix together really well which is something that you know x3 does a great job of so mm -hmm. indeed um 
self-scout yourself. Tell me uh, what, what are your strengths and what are the things that you want to work on so that you'll be prepared at the next level of the NFL? Yeah, well, I think my strengths, um, definitely my hands. I feel like I'm very confident I can catch the football very well. Um, you know, my ability to go up and get it, you know, like when it's up in the air, like I'm not thinking about, oh, like I got to like, no, nah, it's like it's my ball. So I'm going to go up and get it. Um, and then things I need to work on, I feel like it's um, really just my route running. I feel like I could be more savvy with my route running, have a little bit more um, in my bag, you could say. Um, and I feel like that just comes with, you know, repetition and, you know, just continuing to practice and work my game. We're looking at highlights that were posted on YouTube by the YouTube channel Prospects. And boy, you are a dangerous wide receiver. I mean, over and over again, you're making these outstanding catches deep downfield. Uh, and I agree with you. Your hands look excellent. What's your mental approach when you're when when a play like this is called to go deep? What's your mental approach to attacking defenses? Um, I guess put speed on them. I feel like that's a big thing, especially if the DB's off a little bit. You want to have them, you know, you don't want them to be comfortable. You want to, you know, make them uncomfortable, which then you can use that to your advantage. So I feel like just putting speed on them early, being really quick, twitchy with your movements and just be decisive. I feel like that's what I try to utilize the most. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell me about route running. Uh, you know, we hear all the time receivers coming out of college have to learn, you know, the NFL route tree yeah, because they they it's limited in college. Would you say that's the same for you? Nah, I don't think it was limited for me. I feel like that I was running everything that um, was that, like really you can run. I feel like, you know, you watch some of this stuff, you know, I'm running corners, posts, hitches goes um you know screen passes i'm doing pretty much everything so i really feel like the routes that i do run are good and i'm glad that i was given the ability to you know be able to run all those routes but i feel like just touching them up making sure that i can get to certain break points differently you know like working the before the route starts like just to give give dbs a different look so it's not the same mm -hmm. you're uh I mean, I looked at the your stats, and I think you scored at least one touchdown in every game except one this past season. Outstanding work. Um, your biggest game from a touchdown perspective was the three-touchdown game against Yale. I cut together some clips of the first two touchdowns. Take me through uh, this one-on-one -on -one matchup you have with the DB and what you were thinking and how you executed this play. Yeah, so I cut down my split so I could have a lot more room to the outside. It wasn't a great release for me. I feel like he played it really, really well, honestly. But I feel like Sluka really put me in a, a like a good place to where only I can make the catch. So um, he helped me out on this one. But I mean, uh, not my best one, but definitely you know still a touchdown. Absolutely. Now this is the second touchdown that I've got coming up in this highlight clip. Take me through this one. Yeah. So it was another fade in the goal line, but he kind of was playing like above, like over the top. So I decided, you know, if he's gonna play up there, I'm just gonna sit it down and then hope that he just throws me back down, which he did. So I could be a little bit more decisive on it, though. I kind of roll into it. It kind of gives the DB a chance to come back. So mm -hmm. if I put my hips quicker, I feel like uh, it'll be more decisive and, and he won't have the ability to come down on it. But again, you know, another touchdown. 
All right. You know, uh, at, at this point of the season, it's always difficult to get an accurate um, assessment on height and weight. Tell me, how tall are you? What is your weight? And what do you anticipate you're going to run in the 40? Uh, I'm 6'1". I'm 2'15". Uh, what do I – I anticipate to run low 4'5 to high 4'4". Four, four. Excellent. I've seen 6'3", I've seen 6'2", and so forth. So, um, it's all, you know, those things are always exaggerated by some of the evaluators, but uh, it's, it's good to know. You've got the height and speed for a position that the Chicago Bears are desperately uh, in need of. They need someone to play opposite DJ Moore. What do you know about the Chicago Bears, and what do you know about DJ Moore, and, and is that a team that's maybe on your list of uh, – of potential teams to play for in the NFL. Oh, I mean, to talk about that, I'd play for any team that took me, you know. Um, I feel like, you know, whatever team picks me, they're going to get a good player and a hard worker. So I'm just – whatever team takes takes a chance on me, I'll be happy with. Mm -hmm. um, but, no, DJ Moore, my dad, was a Carolina Panthers fan. So, you know, we, I, he was watching DJ Moore all the time. And he's a freak. Like, I mean, he's ability to catch the ball route running. I feel like he's just always open. So, I mean, that's definitely something that's helped the Chicago Bears out a lot. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I feel like the Bears, you know, they've been struggling a little bit recently. But, I mean, um, I feel like, you know, me, DJ, I feel like we get it done. Get some wins for you guys for sure. I have that same feeling that you guys would be a really good combination. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, what you like to do uh, in your free time. Yeah, I mean, I like to play basketball. Um, I love hooping. I feel like every time I go back home from whether that's college or if I'm leaving from somewhere else coming back, I feel like we're always playing basketball. Um, you know, I'm just normal stuff. I draw a little bit. I watch some. I love watching movies, video games. You know, really chill guy. Nothing really going on, honestly. Very cool. And that, that's excellent. Well, listen. You know, uh, good luck at the All Star Games. Uh, good luck with your preparation for uh, the combine and good luck uh, in the draft. And if you become a member of the Chicago Bears, don't forget us. We'd love to talk to you again. But wherever you end up, uh, any one of the 32 teams, uh, lots and lots of success. Of course, not so much success against the Bears, <laughs> but lots and lots of success to you. It's really nice of you to take some time to talk to us. No, of course, absolutely. Thank you for having me. think danny uh impressive young man right yeah very very impressive young man yeah i mean i, I looked up his, his stats I, I had never had not seen him but uh yeah 15 touchdowns uh like they said the only game he didn't score a touchdown was against boston college but uh you know over a thousand yards receiving and and you know he fits the criteria what i'm looking for i'm looking for an x right i'm looking for a guy six one six two 215 pounds and if he runs a, a low a high four four or a low four five I think I think he's you know he's that's that's, that's a really great um, a good good time for him. So obviously with highlights you see the the size, his ability to go up and make a play on those contested balls. Hand he's a hands catcher. So I, I think he's a guy that you know got a chance even if he doesn't get you know doesn't get drafted if, if he gets into a camp as an undrafted free agent. All you need is, is a shot, and we've seen tons of guys you know make it as undrafted free agents. So yeah, definitely an intriguing player, and the fact that he got called up to the East West mm -hmm. Shrine game is, is, is definitely a good sign for him. So, cause a lot of times scouts actually tell the runners in this, in this case, Eric Galco of uh, the East West Shrine that hey, hey, this, we saw this guy at the, at the Hula Bowl and we want him to come up here and, and play against some little better competition at the East West Shrine game. So um, yeah, 
definitely it's definitely a good sign. So Anthony Scott's he's he's got their attention, and then and they're asking to see him. So that's definitely a, a positive sign for the kid. Yeah, I'm looking forward to him shining at the Shrine Bowl game, and uh, we'll talk more about him after that game. Uh, and uh, we'll keep an eye on his career. I, I hope to interview more prospects like that. It's it's always a joy. And th- unfortunately, this year, Danny and I are not going to get a chance down to go to go down to Mobile, which was always a joy for us to team up and interview players down there. Now, Coach T is going down there, and he'll issue a report to us on this show in the future and sometime in February. So that's great. Danny, before we say goodbye, I wanted to get your thoughts on Shane Waldron and what potentially he can add to this team. We heard JP Acosta talk about the uh, the, the two tight end formations that he's going to use, and I'm sure that excited you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's for sure. And that, that's the thing is, of the nine names that are reported that they supposedly uh, interviewed, you know, uh, Waldron was 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 right there. Him and, and, and Clint Kubiak were my top two guys, right? And and uh, Waldron got got a little bit of the the, the you know the, the favorable uh, pick there because of the fact that he's done it. He's actually you know, call plays for three seasons in, in the NFL. And, and, you know, he's had some, some moderate success. And the other thing I like about him is other fact that he's been a play caller is that he's dealt with, you know, two epic quarterbacks, right? He's, two, he's taken, you know, Russell Wilson uh, in his first year there in, in Seattle and Russell you know, Wilson made the Pro Bowl under him. And then he took Geno Smith, a guy that everyone had had just kind of like you know, thought, you know, as a back career backup, you know, just hanging on in the league. And he made him into a Pro Bowl. So he's two different kind of quarterbacks. You know, Russell, the more athletic, the guy that can hold on to the ball and, and move around and and um, and not, not be a timing quarterback. Um, you know, and then he made him into a Pro Bowler. And then he took the you know the the more of the you know even though Gino is not a statue back there, he's got some some wheels there, but he's more of a pocket quarterback. And he made him into a a Pro Bowl quarterback. So that is very very impressive. That is what I like. The fact that he that he bases his game his his play action is his is his passing game i should say off of play action with the quarterback under center for a majority of the time not all the time but a majority of the time and and uses those you know 12 man 13 man personnel like we talked about with jp excites me because that's what i was begging for luke getty to do so so that's the thing is like luke getty came in here and, we, and going back to Waldron real quick you know obviously i like the experience you know he's been with um you know uh, bill belichick in new england right I, I think he started off actually with scott paoli in in the um in the in the front office, and I think that's that's a connection there that that Ryan Poles and and Waldron have is, is Scott Pioli. So started off there, so he's done the the you know the personnel stuff. Then he went to you know uh, uh, work with uh, with McVeigh in Washington uh, as an as a as a, I think call it controls coach. And then from there he followed McVeigh to L.A. where he was a tight ends coach, and he was a, a quarterbacks coach, and he was a passing game coordinator. So he's worked with different kinds of quarterbacks. He worked with Jared Goff. He's worked with Kirk Cousins. You know he's worked with pocket type quarterbacks. He's worked with, like I said, with Russell Wilson, a, a more mobile quarterback. So that experience I, I love, um, you know, obviously he's going to need some weapons here, right? Uh, I think, I think Seattle last year got his offense kind of got bogged down because of the fact that it was the offensive line was a little banged up and, and there's, they're playing with a bunch of backups last year, but to remember he went into Dallas and, and almost beat Dallas and they, they probably should have beat Dallas, right? And when Dallas was undefeated at home. So, um, you know, so he, you know, he has a way of attacking, designing offenses that, that can, that can play to the strengths of, of his of his players 
um, and, and attack opposing defenses. And that's something that we didn't see here with Lugetti. We kept saying, you know, play to the strengths of your players. You know, you're a running team. I braced it. You know, he'd, he'd have one game where the Bears rushed for almost 200 yards, and then next thing you know, next week we're going to rush for 70 yards. So that's the thing is, is, is you know, this is a guy that, that I think – will take what you know what he has whether it's justin whether it's you know caleb williams or whoever they they, they select and i think he'll build the offense to that player's strengths and i think he's adaptable and i think we could see you know game plans you know uh, you know we'll still, have, we'll still see the base in terms of the wide zone inside zone and all that stuff but i think i think we'll see game plan tailored to not only the opponent but also what what the the you know the, the quarterback and, and the playmakers that are available to him on, on a weekly basis what they do best you're you're muted. I did it again. That's two in this one show. So I have. I mean, going to find myself twenty five dollars for that. Um, I uh, I've got names from people in the chat so that you can scout for future shows. I've got names from J two K. I've got names from uh from uh, let's see Larry T uh, and B Shep. So all those names that you guys have submitted and J two K is actually has a couple of submissions here. We're gonna get to running backs at the Senior Bowl in next week's show. J two K, but I will do want you to uh, field a couple of questions that did come in. And Vince asked, Danny, would you say that the offensive line is the easiest to project in the NFL? I think that's a really, really good question because um, it does seem like with the scouting tape that's available, that's probably the most um, focused on look that you can get. It's up, you know, as close as you can get. Look at the offensive lineman. You can tell technique and so forth. Do you think that's easiest to project in the NFL? It's, it's, I don't know if it's, if any position is really the easiest to project, but what you could do with the offensive line, it's, it gives you some, some ability, right? You talked about, you know, there, there are certain fundamentals you look for. You look for, you know, there's, there's types, there's the, the, the size, the, the, the length, you know, the, 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 the point on contact power, you know, is, is this a guy that's more athletic? Is he, is he a guy that's more a power based guy? So you have to kind of fit the scheme and see what he does best. Right. And then obviously then when you, when you look at players, like we've seen it before where a guy gets drafted as a tackle, Offensive tackle, but then his best position, you know, he doesn't have the athletic traits that he might have had at college. And then the, that thing is a movement side to, to a guard or something you can see at center. But, you know, that's the, the, the area in which you can go ahead and, and, and use some, some uh, you know, it could take a shot on a guy because of his physical traits coach him up and then next thing you'll plug him into plug him into the offensive line. So it's it's a very it's it's a position I love to I love to scout. I love offense and defensive linemen because I, to me that that's the base of your team. If your offensive and defensive line sucks guys, I've said this multiple times, your team's going to suck. So that's that's the base, that's the foundation of your team. And I love scouting those guys because, like I said, you know, you, you see a scheme, right? And it, you, is your, are you a power gap scheme? Are you a, a wide zone scheme? Are you an inside zone scheme? If you're a zone scheme, you need athletic guys, guys that can move laterally. Now, if a guy is big, fat, and he can move guys off the line of scrimmage going forward, but he can't move laterally, he's not a fit for your scheme. So that's how you can kind of, you know, get, get guys and scout them and then plug them into, into a spot. So I, I love scouting offensive and defensive line. But I don't know if it's the easiest to project, but it's, it's definitely if you miss – at a tackle, you can kick him inside the guard. So there are other opportunities where you can go in and save your pick and not really you know, waste it, if you will. Uh, this is the perfect question uh, to end this episode of 
uh, draft on tap, our season premiere, and it comes from Zach Sullivan. And this might be actually too early to give him a cogent answer, but I'll throw it at you anyway. Can you summarize which position groups are deep and which are shallow this draft? So I won't hold this you to this, given that you've, you know, we're still in the process of uh, evaluating talent, then we could change our mind right before the draft. But what, how do you see this now, uh, 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 Danny? Receiver again is, is a deep position. You're gonna you're gonna have guys in the second, third round that are gonna come in and make impact right away. So to me, that that's a deep position. Um, you know, some of the other positions, I think offensive tackle is, is a position that you can find some guys in, in the second and third round. So I think a receiver and offensive tackle are positions you can find. Um, you know, the defensive tackle is 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 a little bit little bit scarce, right? Um, you know, edge rushers, once you get past your first couple of guys, it, it, it gets a little dense there as well. So um, that's why I, I'm looking for guys that that give that quick twitch, you know, might not be ideal, you know, uh, four or three defensive ends, but just give me pass rush. Give me something that can be situational where we can use them on, you know, this team is, you know, plays nickel for about 70% of their play. So, you know, uh, they're down. So let's, let's get a guy that can come in here and situational, be a pass rusher and give me something out of that. So, um, you know, the edge rushers are, are, are not deep inside defense tackles are not deep. Uh, but for me, the deep positions right now, early on going through it is, is receiver is loaded and, and, and offense tackle is, is, is a pretty good deep position as well. All right. I want to uh, do a little tease of what's ahead. We've got these guest uh, scouts coming in. Uh, next week, we'll hear from Rob Paul. He will talk about Johnny Wilson, that huge, huge receiver from, I think it's Florida State. Yep. Uh, we, we've got uh, Jordan Silvera is going to provide us with a scouting report on J.J. McCarthy. So those are two of the guest uh uh, scouts that are coming in. Jordan will also join us for a show so that he can debate Danny on the merits of drafting a safety in the first or second round. Are you ready for that, Danny? <laughs> I hope I hope we're done with that, but you never know. You know, there's <laughs> Jackson's uh, status on the team is, is a little up, up in the air right now. So, uh, <laughs> That's right. But, 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 uh, Jordan's a big JJ McCarthy fan, and 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 I'm not. So we we're gonna go back and forth on that one. Oh, love, love it. And uh, and as for uh, in show guests besides. Uh, Jordan joining us. We've got uh, Noah Chang, who is a scout for the Big 12 and NWC. He's going to join us next week. We're going to talk Shrine Bowl and a bunch of other players. And I've got commitments, soft commitments from a number of other people. So we're going to offer you a robust draft on tap with many different a diverse set of voices. And of course, at the center of everything is Danny Shimon with his uh, relentless attack on uh, scouting as many players as possible for your education. Uh, Jordan's got a much message here. He says, ha ha, that's going to be great. We'd love to debate JJ McCarthy. That's going to be fun. Oh, <laughs> it's like a, like a boxing promotion or something. <laughs> All right. Uh, Danny, any final words? No, it's, it's, it was a first show and it, it was a heck of a show already. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's just like I said, week one or our first show. And then and it's, I've had a great time and we're going to get deeper and deeper into this. And and obviously with, with free agency, uh, when that's once that starts, you know, we'll, we'll the Bears will you know make some signings and then maybe we'll we'll switch in terms of our our needs and, and maybe, you know, go to a different position or, or, or look at other things. But, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be an exciting offseason. And, and today's show was, was a great way to start it off. And, and I'm, I'm excited to work with you, Jordan, and everyone else that jumps on and, and participate. You know, our, our, our listeners are, are, are terrific in terms of I'm looking forward to seeing the names that they uh, they've given here in terms of who they want me to scout and uh, give those guys uh, to you guys in the, in the near future. All right. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Jalen Coke. 
uh, Coker for joining me earlier today, Quentin Cresco for your report on Troy Fontenot, and uh, thank you, J.P. Acosta, for spending an hour with us at the top of the show. Uh, that's it for this week. We'll see you all next week, same time, same station. Take care.